questions get asked when people have hesitancy or reluctance to get vaccinated. Did you go too quickly is the first. The answer to that is the speed was a reflection of extraordinary scientific advances and did not compromise safety, nor did it compromise scientific integrity. The next question is, okay, but what about the fact, is it really safe and is it really effective? Or is this something the government is trying to put over on us? Is this something the companies want to take advantage of? Well, let's take a look at what's happened over the past few months. We've had clinical trials, and thanks to the volunteers in that trial, in tens of thousands who have put themselves on the line to prove to the country and the world that these are safe and effective products. It is really bittersweet. The bitterness is the fact of what the Vice President mentioned. We still are in the middle of a very difficult situation with record numbers of cases, hospitalizations, and deaths. But the sweetness is the light at the end of the tunnel, which I can tell you, as we get into January, February, March, and April, that light is going to get brighter and brighter, and the bitterness is going to be replaced by the sweetness. And we all hope, and I think this is doable, that by the time we get to several months into this year, we will have enough people protected that we can start thinking seriously about the return to normality. And that's up to all of us to step forward and get vaccinated. the Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Monday, August 1st, 2022. Thank you for joining me and those over here on Instagram. We're going to see this extra complicated for today. For those that can't see it, I'm live streaming on Instagram at the same time, trying something new today. Why not? Because we're doing a new computer and a thousand different things on the side around the peripheral for those that are aware, we've been dealing with a lot of crazy stuff on the side here, Compu- brand new computer crashing out, all sorts of censorship, and, you know, the typical stuff when you're telling the truth in the world today. But it, that's also why this has been a, a late start today, because there was a thousand things I'm not even going to get into. They were wildly complicated. The one I will tell you is so, something, for example, setting up my entire show, all of my tabs ready. And this isn't some kind of censorship aspect. This is just what it takes when you have to start a new computer and set everything up all over again. You all know how that goes, especially when you don't like the cloud. But then I had everything set up, completely ready to go, and I was going to start sharing the screen. And I said, oh, you need to allow Brave to do so. Okay, I'll allow Brave to do so. My, oh, my, my, computer, my phone might die over here. And so I do it, and then it says, oh, you got to restart your computer, or you restart your browser. So I had to do literally everything twice today. Really frustrating. On that note, let's see here actually what I'm going to try to do. Oh, here we go. This might work. Let's see if I can't set this up. Sorry, guys. Impromptu here. Realizing that this is going to die. Let's see if I can't just do it this way instead. Let's see. There we go. That'll probably work. How's that work for you guys? (laughs) Something. It's something. At least I'm still live. I don't know if that makes it different angle for you guys. 
in any case, sorry, Instagram's taking over. Okay, so to get started today, very important, multiple important conversations to be had around the entire thing shifting. You may have seen this on the high wire. You may have seen this in a few different places. It's just incredible to watch how these things are shifting, how people are coming out and saying, well, you know, I mean, even just before this all happened, we saw discussions around Ukraine where people were discussing this and saying, you know, I apologize to all the people out there that I was yelling down, shouting down for the concept of there being a fascist entity over here that the CIA has been building, you know, Nazis, literal Nazis and literal white supremacists and so on over there in Ukraine that the government's been building, and people eventually going, okay, I'm sorry, I was being ridiculous about that. It's very, 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 very obvious that that's what happened, and that's what's... And the point is that they only saw that when they finally stepped outside the controlled conversation of the corporate media. The point is, we're having that happen today with vaccines, with masks, and a lot of other great things, which doesn't mean this is going to go away, guys. That's the important thing to understand. This is going to continue because they're never going to stand back and say, oh, you caught us, as I, as I say often. They won't do that. Oh, and the other thing, by the way, before I get into my rant, make sure out there that you share this for me. Share this everywhere you possibly can on all the platforms, all the normal ones, Facebook and everything else, and Minds and everywhere else. I'll have to do it afterward. I forgot that I didn't have them all set up before I went live, and so I have to sign into every one of them, and it took forever, so I just decided to do it later. To get into this today, we have a lot of important stuff to go over around that whole topic. And then, as the title says, not just the fact that people are coming around, but it's the corruption of the government involved in this process is becoming very, very clear. I mean, for those that have been following this channel and a lot of other places that have been doing this work, it's been clear the entire time. But... Now, it's becoming even more clear because the information coming out from the government and FOIA requests are showing that not only did they coerce the FDA into making these things happen, but now they're rushing to make the next thing happen while they're still arguing that you should take the first thing. But to make the argument for the second thing, and I, there's more than two things, but the, you know, the new boosters, is to argue that these ones aren't really working the way we should. But make sure you get it if you haven't gotten it yet. It's completely erratic and unscientific. And, of course, some great reset conversations to end it on. But before we get into all that, I wanted to make a quick point to say I'm going to be starting a Rockfin show, exclusive for Rockfin, starting supposed to be today, probably tomorrow. I have a great interview with Kerry Wedler and another great interview with Jason Bassler from the Free Thought Project, both of which are going to come out on this exclusive show. I believe we're going to be calling it Moving Targets with Ryan Christian, kind of the idea of censorship and talking about people trying to circumvent that and get around it and just everybody being targeted with everything around the truth today. But I wanted to give that a shout-out and let you guys know that will be coming, so make sure you sign up there. Now, my channel is not behind a paywall, and I don't believe anymore today you have to pay to check Rockfin out. That's up to you if you want to. But I'll be throwing that out there tomorrow, so keep your eyes open for that. But to start with the main point, this is where I saw this first. Thank you, News Nancy, for posting this. But this was a high wire reading out an article posted by from an Australian mainstream corporate media outlet that is saying essentially what you'll hear right now, that this is, you know, we apologize to the people that were shout basically we apologize to the unvaccinated. Really, but it's broader than just the unvaccinated, as you guys know. But that they're apologizing or this person individually is apologizing on behalf of the media and the entire and people, the people that put the, let's put it this way, people that respected their own medical freedom in a position where they felt they were being attacked, and they were being attacked, in a position where they were being degraded, disparaged, threatened, 
I mean, we will always look back on this time as one of the most unprecedented. I mean, one of the quickest examples of what we didn't think we were in this country. Very shortly, I think it's happening now. So let me play this clip to begin, and then we could talk about it more. But really just understand this is not just this one clip. This is happening all over the place, and the media is doing everything in its power to make sure that you don't see this. For those on Instagram, you'll just have to hear it around the side. It is. I did not write this. But somebody did. Susan, if it's you, this should be holding down a place in every textbook in the world in the future. And I'm going to read to you what I think is one of the most eloquently stated statements about what we have just been through and what we must all recognize is now the truth. And for those of you who have been watching The High Wire, this one's for you. Let this sink in. An opinion piece from a vaccinated Australian writer is what it's called. If COVID was a battlefield, it would still be warm with the bodies of the unvaccinated. Thankfully, the mandates are letting up and both sides of the war stumble back to the new normal. The unvaccinated are the heroes of the last two years, as they allowed us all to have a control group in the great experiment and highlight the shortcoming of the COVID vaccines. The unvaccinated carry many battle scars and injuries, as they are the people we tried to mentally break. Yet no one wants to talk about what we did to them and what they forced the science to unveil. We knew that the waning immunity of the fully vaccinated had the same risk profile as others within society as the minority of the unvaccinated, yet we marked them for special persecution. You see, we said that they had not done the right thing for the greater good by handing their bodies and medical autonomy over to the state. Many of the so-called health experts and political leaders in Australia admitted the goal was to make life almost unlivable for the unvaccinated, which was multiplied many times by the collective mob, with a fight taken into workplaces, friendships, and family gatherings. Today, the hard truth is none of it was justified as we took a quick slide from righteousness to absolute cruelty. We might lay the blame on our leaders and health experts for the push, but each individual within society must be held accountable for stepping into the well-laid-out trap. We did this despite knowing full well that principled opposition is priceless when it comes to what goes inside our bodies and we let ourselves be tricked into believing that going into another ineffective lockdown would be the fault of the unvaccinated and not the fault of the toxic policy of ineffective vaccines. We took pleasure in scapegoating the unvaccinated because after months of engineered lockdowns by political leaders blinded by power, having someone to blame in turn to burn at the stake felt good. We believed we had logic, love, and truth on our side, so it was easy to wish death upon the unvaccinated. Those of us who ridiculed and mocked the non-compliant did it because we were embarrassed by their courage and principles and didn't think the unvaccinated would make it through unbroken. And we turned the holdouts into punching bags. Lambie, Carr, Chan, Andrews, McGowan, Gunner, and the other cast of hundreds in prominent roles. And we here in America, we could add Fauci and the rest of them and Biden in prominent roles need to be held to account for vilifying the unvaccinated in public and fueling angry social media mobs. The mobs, the masked Nazis, and the vaccine disciples have been embarrassed by betting against the unvaccinated because mandates only had the power we gave them. It was not compliance that ended domination by big pharma companies, Bill Gates, and his many organizations, and the World Economic Forum. It was thanks 
to the people we tried to embarrass, ridicule, mock, and tear down. We should all try and find some inner gratitude for the unvaccinated as we took the bait by hating them because their perseverance and courage bought us the time to see we were wrong. So if mandates ever return for COVID or any other disease or virus, hopefully more of us will be awake and see the rising authoritarianism that has no concern for our well-being and is more about power and control. The war of the unvaccinated was lost, on the unvaccinated was lost. And we should all be very thankful for that. Here, here, guys. I mean, my, that is just, it's, it's nice to see that there are people beginning to not only recognize that that's what happened. And again, this doesn't even have to mean that you guys, are, that the, per, the person writing this agrees that let's say not getting a vaccine was the right choice, but they're pointing out that what has happened to them is uh, is just completely off the rails. It's completely unacceptable in any point in history, but then goes into the reality that because of people like you out there, because of those of you that chose to stand up for what you believe in, again, in a moment where you could have thought, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm going to take a stance here because of my more, because of my principles, my integrity, and I believe this is not the right thing. I don't believe I should be forced. We gave them that clarity. Now, not everybody. Plenty of people out there are still, as he pointed out, just so angry that they got shown that they were wrong, that they got tricked. And instead of being a grown-up about it and realizing that, well, well, let's thank the people that gave me the ability to see through it, they just dig in and get more frustrated. And that's usually the partisanship, to be quite honest. Team political sports, that's what we continue to see. But it really does show you something, doesn't it? There is more of this happening than you would believe. And there's more coming, guys. Because you know what? The, the data, the evidence is on your side. And I think you know that by now. Not just because of my show alone, but because of anybody, everybody out there, including yourselves, that have continued to do the work and do the research and ask questions. Which it's amazing that those simple statements are conspiracy theory today. Don't do your own research. <laughs> like, I can't even believe we got to a point where they said qu asking questions and, and being critical is a bad thing. I mean, what a complete inverse inver, invert of the of the reality of what we've always taught everybody. But anyway, the point is, this is what we're continuing to see. One more again, apologies for those in case you didn't hear me on Instagram. I have it kind of on a weird spot. I had to plug it in. But you guys can hear me and you can continue to see the, I guess, the background where they don't get to see it on the show sometimes. But let's go into this today. Now, what's interesting, by the way, is as we're hearing that, here is... Something, just a little quick flashback for those on the podcast and over here on Instagram. The second dose of coronavirus vaccine might make you sick. Here's why that's a good thing. May 10th, 2021, that didn't age well, did it? But we're seeing this now today, right? Here's why, you know, or here kind of, I, I don't even want to get into these ridiculous partisan political topics, even though there's valid points to be made, like the recession and the redefining of it, very clearly overlaps with the way they played COVID-19. But it's funny how you could see this meme where it went from, you know, Republicans are blowing up, blowing up the recession conversation to make a point for Democrats. And then it evolves into, well, it is kind of, but here's why it's not terrible. And then the last thing we just saw was basically saying, yes, we have something like a recession, but here's why that's a good thing. It's just like, come on, guys. Is it a good thing or is it just a desperate attempt to frame it to where it's a positive thing until they can dump it on somebody else? But the point is, 
getting sick from taking something that's supposed to stop you from being sick is not a good thing. And if we're talking maybe a headache or a little bit of a problem that lasts for a brief moment, even my personal opinion, I, that means your body's not okay with these things, but maybe I don't understand. But at the end of the day, what we're seeing with this is long-term, literal sickness, being in bed for a week, or maybe dying, having a heart attack, having a blood clot, having Bell's palsy, having vaccine-induced thrombosis, thrombocytopenia, or, you know, any of the number of a thousand things they've admitted are super rare but can totally happen, or, you know, the dramatic danger of myocarditis, which we'll point out again today. All of these things are there. But back in May 21 and even before, they said, oh, no, it's just, a, it's just the way it's supposed to work. Oh, did you get sick again? That means it's working. That's Biden. The problem, though, is that we can see that's not what's happening today. Now, on another note, in the same way, quickly go over some of this stuff before I get into my censorship, by the way, which I know people, it's not a new story. I didn't feel like starting with the fact that I was censored on Twitter for the 15th time or fourth time, technically, and what that went in. I'm going to get into it in a second because it is important, but don't want to start with it because it's not new, important information. I think these two are the most important. This one is from the San Diego Union Tribune about masks. Again, this is just San Diego paper. This is, it's just bleeding out into everywhere where they're beginning to see that when they said, trust the science and scream, trust the science, they're going to go, wait a minute, but there's all this science over here, peer-reviewed, random-controlled trials that completely say the opposite of what we're screaming isn't supposed to be the reality. And then when they come over and go, well, let's look at the body of science we're arguing is the science, and you begin to realize that there is some stuff that says that, but you'll quickly pick through it and find, well, it's mostly observational, mostly mostly in-lab type of situations, or, you know, uh, theoretical, observational, not observational, but the, um, what's the term I'm looking for? The mo modeling, like Imperial College of London, stuff like that. But even then, there's some studies that are, you know, arguably done in the right context, but then you find people that point out things are wrong with them, like that they include not just masks, hand washing and everything else, and then they lump it together and say, here, there's an effect. Well, you can't argue that it's one thing when you have multiple things involved. Anyway, the bottom line is, all said and done, not my opinion, from an objective perspective, there is an overwhelming amount of evidence on the side, <laughs> I knew I was going to do that, overwhelming amount of evidence on the side of... The, the, converse, the, the argument we're making about masks today, which is simply, as I've always said, not statistically significant in reducing transmission. That's it. I've never argued anything else other than that they increase your risk of all sorts of illness. That's not my opinion. That's the only random controlled trial, gold standard mask study around cloth masks that say don't use them because they could increase your risk of illness of all kinds back in 2015. Don't think they didn't know that was there when they chose to push just cloth masks on all the population. Now, I'm not trying to say that then means they meant to get you sick. That's what I believe. But you think for yourself. They knew that was there. The only random controlled trial on specifically cloth masks that find one that they actually are dangerous in the sense that they do not have any real effect it's, it's a coin flip if they're even going to stop some of it. The bottom line is they increase your risk of infection by simply wearing them. But here we have a, a paper from San Diego. Opinion. I'm an epidemiologist. He's a highly regarded one, by the way. He says mask mandates won't slow COVID-19. Specifically, here's why the one in San Diego won't. This is from the 29th of July. Now, his, na he's, his name is Ayers, PhD, MA, is a Johns Hopkins and Harvard-trained son-of-a-gun epidemiologist. I'm just going to do this, guys, for the time being. Apologize if it dies on you, but I'm going to stop having to struggle with Instagram. <laughs> I knew I was going to do this and cause myself all these problems. But this is an important argument because this is a highly regarded individual in, in, in the context of a, a epidemiologist, somebody who knows what they're talking about 
uh, specifically when it comes to these topics. And here's what he has to say. First of all, the very first thing that comes out, I just think this is so ridiculous, and I think this is exactly what we keep seeing. You're going to see that this one sentence completely does not add up with everything else he says, and I think it's because they want to kind of put this out there first so they kind of they get the people that want to skim and be like, are they going to attack masks? And they read this line, and they go, oh, okay, he's going to argue why masks are good, and they never come back, because they're usually title skimmers, in my opinion. But here's what it says. San Diego Unified's mask policy is ultimately about science and should be immutable to political fads. Okay, so he's ultimately about science. Now, I guess you could make that argument because they are looking at some science, but they're ignoring all the stuff he's about to point out, which ultimately, spoiler alert, the article comes to the conclusion that they aren't going to do this or aren't going to stop the spread of whatever they think is there because these things don't work. But ultimately, it's based on science and should be immutable. I mean, you, you think for yourself here. I don't see how these two things add up. But here's what he goes on to say after that. A randomized study of healthcare providers who wore cloth masks for four weeks in 14 hospitals during 2011 found they experienced higher rates of respiratory illness, laboratory-confirmed viral infection, and influenza-like illness than controls who followed usual practice while working. Now, what's funny is you'll also find that as I go through all of this, oh, I forgot that I shouldn't add any links as you go through all this, you'll find this is the study that I have continued to point at. This is an important, a cluster of randomized trial of cloth masks compared with the medical mask. This is the one that I have been yelling about since the very beginning, since 2020 March, I think. Right about the time of the CDC had their big meta-analysis that said the same thing, that they don't work. They don't work whether it's for source control or for protecting your grandmother. Either way, it says it does not have a statistically significant effect in reducing transmission. And then everybody flipped out because that's not what we're supposed to say, and then the whole thing turned on its ear. But you can see here, this is the same study that I, I continue to point out. I won't open the other one just because I don't want to change my window, so I have all the, the, the links I can spare in this area right here, but they're pointing to the same one. So think about how crazy that is, that this is the same thing. This is corporate media now using the same study that I've been arguing and being censored for since 2020. Think about how stupid that is. So, you know, it's, 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 it's a win, but it's hard to say that's a win when you're over here still censored, still a conspiracy theorist in the, in the mindset of even half the independent media, and yet now it's becoming normalized. It's what we're, what we're kind of seeing right now is this weird way of how the kind of quasi-independents and the large corporate media are stepping over all of us that have been making these arguments the whole time still calling us conspiracy theorists, and taking the credit for where they currently are, going, oh, here's the new stuff breaking out. Tucker, breaking news. That's what seems to be happening right now, which is really interesting in how it's always been. Look back at the wars, Iraq and so on. Now, as I've always pointed out, the people that were right the entire time never really got credit for it, did they? It's only until the corporate media, who have been shouting it down the whole time, have this moment of clarity and come, and here's what we didn't see, except that they were the ones shouting them down the entire time. See my point? And this happens a lot. Not just realizing that this is, we're watching this shift right in front of us. Now it says, guidance by the World Health Organization in January 2020 stated, this is the crazy part, I remember pointing this out, that, quote, cloth masks are not recommended under any circumstance. And then the CDC went on to say that's the only thing you should wear. Make sense of that for me. I mean, my God. It goes, with an abundance of uncertainty early during the pandemic, com community masking using cloth and reusable surgical masks was encouraged in the hope that despite the lack of supporting real-world evidence, there may be a community benefit if we all mask. 
Let that sink in a little bit. This is the same thing we keep seeing. We're back behind the scenes. And by the way, I even argue that that, that argument is not even true. But they're saying that back behind the scenes, the CDC was like, well, we know there's not evidence to show that these work, but, you know, let's just trick them and tell them it does, so maybe we have an effect. That's the greater good argument. They, they really do want right, but they just made a bad choice to reach that good, safe position. I don't buy that for a second, because they knew that the study showed that they increase your risk of infection. But the point either way is that whether they chose to trick you for bad reasons or trick you for good reasons, they lied to you. Just like saying Fauci was like, no, they shouldn't wear them, and then they switched and said, no, now do it. And that it was, well, we lied because we wanted to save them for the hospitals. Either way, guys, they're lying to you to sell you on something that they wanted you to do. That's not democracy. That's not, that, is, that is manipulation and propaganda under a guise that it's for the right thing. And then you have to ask, is it even for the right thing? Or is that just what they spun to hide their criminal activity? The bottom line is, they knew there wasn't enough evidence, and they pushed it anyway. Then they try to argue that in the midst between that time and now, that they discovered that they do work. That's their argument. Randomized controlled trials are the evidentiary gold standard. I want to just reiterate that, because that's the same point that we make about the studies we point at. The random controlled trials, the peer-reviewed science, it doesn't mean you should blindly trust them. Because only a person... I don't, I'm trying not to call <laughs> only the stupid people would, I try not to do that as much anymore, but only the people that are choosing to follow would trust anything blindly, whether it's scientific studies, whether it's the highest expert on the planet. Obviously, you afford them the level of cre the credentials, the credence. Okay, well, he's the highest like, expert in the land, so I'm going to listen to what he has to say, but I'm still going to stand back and go, is that correct? Could he be lying? Could he be wrong? Could she be paid by somebody? Right? You have to ask these questions because they do happen. So random controlled trials are the thing that they seemingly don't point at right now. And, you know, when we point at preprint studies to make an argument, oh, you conspiracy theorists, that's not even peer-reviewed. But then you see them point at them constantly when they want to make their point in the context of the corporate media, I mean. And actually, I'll show that today in the exact same example. But it goes on to say 14 of the 16 trials performed before the pandemic found the recommendation to wear a mask did not significantly reduce infection rates compared to unmasked controls. Okay, so they did their own thing. 14 of 16 per trials performed before this all started all completely said the same thing, not statistically significant in reducing transmission. And then what, what, so we don't like that, so we just decide to rapidly study in the midst of a pandemic what you want to find? How do we think even that makes sense? Even if they did find all this stuff, didn't, isn't it Fauci that said in the beginning that you're not supposed to do that in the middle of a pandemic? Well, yeah, because if you are actually in a pandemic, it's a bit difficult to have controls and clear-minded research. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense, but then they rushed it out. So, what is that? 85% of all of it found the same thing? And even the other two they're pointing out, out of the, the, the two out of the 16, if you read them, they don't really find that they work, but they just don't find that they have, they, they say they may have an effect, more research is needed. But the point is, that's huge, and that is the majority of the body of science, and they just didn't care. Two trials on community masking have been performed during the pandemic. A trial in Denmark called Dan Mask, which we've talked about, which they shouted down, tried to censor, showed the, re the recommendation to wear surgical masks, surgical masks, not cloth, did not reduce infections. And so they shouted it down, called it conspiracy theory. A trial in Bangladesh showed reusable cloth masks did not reduce infection. Same thing. Trying to make sure this doesn't die on you. Might have to prop it up again. 
As designed, it says, San Diego Unified Masking Policy, which includes reusable cloth masks and surgical masks. They are still using cloth masks, guys, despite the fact that even the corporate media on both sides of the two-party illusion have stated without new evidence, which they're, they're right, Gottlieb on one channel, Lena Wan on the other, one day apart came out and said, cloth masks don't work, use N95s. Everyone said, okay, well, I'll use N95s. Why didn't we stop and go, well, wait a minute, you've been screaming we should wear these cloth masks only for the first half of this problem, now you just say they don't work? What did you find that made you think differently? And if you didn't find something new, then why have you been saying that this whole time? None of that happens in the corporate media holding them accountable, right? That's not happening. How ridiculous is that? My point is that they're still using these even when we have the scientific studies that show they don't work and that they're dangerous, and the corporate media from both sides comes out and say they don't work, and yet here we are with counties and governors still making people wear them. Yeah, trust the science. That certainly adds up, doesn't it? As it goes on to say, infection is about 80% less severe for the current variants compared to ancestral variants. And it links to the corporate media. I mean, think about that, guys. So you're adding with the second point. It goes then, moreover, the risk of death from COVID-19 among children is less than one one one-thousandth the risk for the elderly. So they're admitting we're at a point right now where, by the way, Delta and even the earliest conversation, this was never more than the flu. And that's been clearly shown now. All they did was break it down by age, or rather even it out instead of break it down by age, right? So we had the 80 and over in the nursing homes, which don't forget in the beginning, especially in the United States, was the vast majority of the problem, the people inside the nursing homes. Right? So we have this situation where the vast majority was clumped in one age group in multiple areas, and they just averaged it out and said, everybody's at risk. That was never the case. Children were never at risk. Many people were at very, very, very low risk. Now, just so we're clear, again, the beginning, it was, if not a serious flu, way less than that. Let's just acknowledge these realities now. Now, the bottom line is then from Delta and whatever else they sell, say happened going forward, that it only got less dangerous. This is their narrative. I'm of the opinion that this might not have even ever been something there or different, for that matter, just because of all the things we've shown. Flu and pneumonia being used. Danny Rancourt, PhD's argument in his study, as I often cite, makes the statistical argument very clearly. If they wanted to, they had the doubt in front of them to use those things to make it look like it was a problem, just like they got caught for doing during the swine flu problem. As the WHO itself the HHS, the HHS and the BMJ all called out pandemics of fear. And the point they made, just like they're doing with monkeypox now, they changed the definition, whether it was the public health emergency of, of uh, international concern or just the definition of a pandemic. The WHO changed it to not include death so they could ar- argue these things. That's what they got called out for. So the point is, that's what's happening now. They hyped it up. Now, the bottom line is we can see that it wasn't that dangerous, and here we are where they're now arguing that the newer things are less. In fact, as they just cited, 80% less severe. So less severe than a, than a, a flu? 80% less, in fact, and then the children are at one one ten one one thousandth the risk of the people that are at the top of the risk, which the top of that risk is still not that dangerous? My God. And yet we're forcing this on children who don't need it, who have a dramatic increased risk of myocarditis and all the other problems along with it. And by the way, don't forget that to make this very clear yet again, which I'll, I'll bring this up again. Oh, you know what? Shoot, I just remembered. I can't look these up right now because I don't have my links. New computer. Son of a gun. There was the, the study. That's not going to come up. Son of a gun. Well, you guys remember the study. That's frustrating. Because there's always the person who surveys and can be like, oh, that's not true. He didn't have the link. 
but I'll try to include it. The link that with the new peer-reviewed study that found that there is no connection to myocarditis following COVID-19. It's very clear. It's peer-reviewed, and it's huge. There's no connection whatsoever. The point is that they're arguing that's why they should get it, even though it's not there. The risk is clear from the injection. So the point is, far less, one one-thousandth the risk, and we're still forcing it on everybody. Crazy. Then it says the population, through a co- combination of natural and vaccine-induced immunity, is more protected than from severe disease. Now, I am of the belief that this thing is not even remotely causing, one, the right kind of immunity, if it even is producing antibodies, which it seems to be the case. It's producing antibodies for something that's not there. So we want to isolate. We've talked about this numerous times. That's what their data will tell you, and even the corporate media will argue. They just say that it makes it less active, less effective. That's not even true. As Dr. Cole, Dr. McCullough, Dr. Uh, even Fauci himself said, right? That if you make it for the wrong thing, you make it for the wrong thing, to make the vaccine produce the wrong antibodies, it will increase your risk. I was going to grab that real quick so I can adjust this one more time. Let's see. There it is. And this is important. This, I mean, you, you guys have seen a lot, but for the new people, it's important to see that this is something that they've also admitted. So right now, they're giving people an injection. I know we're on masks, but this is important to see. They're giving people an injection based on old, something that was circulating in the beginning that they admit is no longer there. They argue variants, but the point is that, that even the variants changes. That's why they change the flu injection every single year. A new variant. And if they get the wrong one, it barely works. Okay, so what are we talking about? That's what they're arguing is happening now, and we're like four or five things down the road. Then that you have to realize that if you produce the wrong antibodies, it increases your risk. It causes things like antibody-dependent enhancement. That's the important part. And what they're arguing there is that the, oh, my point, long, all, you know, all said and done, was that the vaccine-induced immunity, I don't even believe that's what's happening. I believe it's increasing their risk, creating an autoimmune problem, which is what we are seeing based on the data, as even Pfizer's data shows. You have a weak, increased risk of infection, one week long in the beginning. When you take the vaccine, you immediately get a week of increased risk of all types of infection. That's what their data showed. They even admitted to it. But then they go, but then it dips back down and then it's effective. Except the fact that after three months, it shows that it goes to 75 negative percent, 75 percent negative efficacy, meaning you have a 75 percent increased risk of getting sick. That's why they're rushing to get the next booster in. Like this is damaging. And that, by the way, that doesn't mean the vaccine's not working. It means your immune system is not working. Here's Fauci telling you that. There's another element to safety. And that is if you vaccinate someone and they make an antibody response and then they get exposed and infected, does the response that you induce actually enhance the infection and make it worse? And the only way you'll know that is if you do an extended study, not in a normal volunteer who has no risk of infection, but in people who are out there in a risk situation. This would not be the first time, if it happened, that a vaccine that looked good in initial safety actually made people worse. And I've also showed you Ryan Cole, Dr. Ryan Cole, and plenty of others telling you the same thing. They are doing that right now. That's the craziest part. That's literally what's happening. They're giving people an injection that's made for something else, which is producing some kind of response, and that's all they gauge this on. Oh, did it make a clinical response? Then it must have worked. Well, that's quite an assumption, isn't it? Because you can make a clinical response for something that's not needed. I'll just bump this thing. But I believe we can see clearly that that's what's happening right now. To go back to this, 
what they're arguing, first of all, even if, so again, taking their narrative, it's that combined, most people have dealt with whatever they say is happening. As it says, 75% of kids have been previously infected. And a combination of all these things together, why are they still pushing this then? What about the whole herd immunity argument? If 75% of kids have already gotten this, that means they have natural immunity, which all the science, and I mean all of it, literally every single platform, nature, science.org, science direct, every single one of them, MCI, MCDI, I've shown you all of these, and they all say the same thing. Robust, lasting, durable, T-cell, memory B, antibody, the whole shebang, guys, and it's, and it's lasting. The last one I showed you that I continue to show is the one that says that variants of concern are continuing to be dealt with by natural immunity right up until this day. And that's what all the science continues to show. Now, you don't have to trust that. You should question it like any other thing. But the point is they don't have some body of evidence they're pointing at to say that natural immunity doesn't work. They've attacked it from the beginning, and that should have broken out this entire thing from the beginning. Natural immunity is a conspiracy theory? How did anybody go along with that? So, here we are, where they're pushing this despite all of those things, and it goes on to say, what is the added protection for masking in this environment? Masks that don't stop transmission, that increase your risk of infection, with a situation where most people are arguably not in danger from this, whether or not they have immunity, that's their point. He says, if trials did not show a protective effect from community masking while the severity of illness was high and the public lacked any immunity, are masks a useful intervention now? No, is the answer, guys. They never were. It is critical that the San Diego Unified School Board be aware of the best evidence on masking, grade the quality of competing evidence, and consider the underlying context in which policies are implemented. That's not going to happen, though, you see, because they're locked into a narrative. Children's compliance with the masking policy should be not be a prerequisite to obtain in-person education, especially when the policy itself is not supported by robust evidence. Let me repeat that again, especially when the policy itself is not supported by robust evidence. Look at that. Talk about a shifting perception. Then at the bottom it says, a city school spokesperson declined an offer for a district to contribute to the essay. I wonder why. What are you going to say? Mass work, you conspiracy theorist. That's probably what would have happened if it was in any other context. But it's nice to see, is it not, that we are watching this transition. Here, to the next part is Tracy Hogue, Hogue, I think, MD, PhD, saying, I wasn't going to tweet today, but oh my God, you can't handpick a few confounding observational studies with only 243 people and expect to accurately determine mask effectiveness. So while that's happening, and while all this stuff has continued to come out, she's pointing at, by the way, something that seems to not allow me to be able to see it, this tweet. Maggie Fox, <laughs> facts matter, she writes in her bio while pointing at this completely this study is ridiculous not because it's not uh, has doesn't doesn't have a place observational things like this have a place but especially at a time when there's so much political fervor around the topic it's ridiculous to do something like this right now especially when you have all <laughs> son of a gun especially when you have all the the peer-reviewed science all right i'm gonna let this die on you guys sorry if it goes out while i'm doing it otherwise i'm gonna lose my mind around this i'll make sure it's primed and charged next time for those listening to me on the podcast, this Instagram phone thing is driving me crazy. But that this study around masks is wildly subjective and observational. And that is what this person who's saying facts matter jumps on and says the probability basically argues masks work and we know it kind of a stance. And she's saying, come on, one of these studies with a flight of 20 people, all masking and none got COVID. And that's a study of masks. Right? So there's no control. It's a general observational area. Look, they all have masks on and nobody got sick. So it works, doesn't it? Well, maybe. But how about we go with some 
random controlled trials and peer-reviewed stuff that really does. Here's my point about the peer-reviewed science. Here's our MedRx IV. And by the way, this is just a tweet. There's plenty of outlets, corporate and otherwise, pointing in this and saying, see, see, it settles the argument is what they tend to do. Well, preprint. It's a preprint. It's not peer-reviewed. It says, the efficacy of masks in the prevention of COVID-19, a systemic review. But here's the craziest part about it. They didn't go over it and do it like this, like this kind of systemic review that we're talking about down here. The one that went over all these different studies over the past 14 out of 6. What they did, as you'll read here, the initial review yielded 1,732 studies, which were reviewed by three study team members. 61 full-text studies were found to meet the criteria. Now, you can dig into this and look at the criteria for yourself. It's really hard to know whether they just picked... I mean, so they chose... Out of all of 1,732, they handpicked 61 of them. Are we going to pretend that that wasn't slanted in some direction? That's just a question. I don't know for sure. But with all the fervor today and all the political push, we know that these people are probably picking the ones that lean in their direction. Especially since the body, if you look at all 1,732 of those studies, the vast majority are going to find what I've already told you. That's why the previous, even CDC meta-analysis, find the same thing. Isn't it interesting that this preprint can find a completely contradictory stance to what the CDC found in May 2020, even though they're looking at the same data. So what does that mean, right? Think about that for a second. But it goes on to say 61 full-text studies were found to meet their entry criteria. It's interesting. So (laughs) thousands of studies just didn't meet the effect. It's very strange. But it says, in all, 243 were infected with COVID-19. That's an interesting way to take it. So they combined all these studies, and and out of 61 studies, there was only 243 people involved? Yeah, they picked the studies with the small groups that had the small observational findings. That's the point. And it says, out of 243 subjects, or 243 subjects were infected with COVID-19. Oh, excuse me. Well, it says, out of those, all the 61 studies, I should correct that, 243 were infected with COVID-19. So whatever the other side of that is, only 243 people infected with COVID-19 were involved in all 61 studies, of whom 97 had been wearing masks, and 146 had not. That's a really strange way to just jam all this together, and the only only argument and basis of whether or not is just whether they got sick and had a mask or not? How do you prove that they didn't just get sick? I mean, aren't they the ones saying that they're not completely completely stopping everything? That it's only a matter of whether everybody else does it? So how do you know if it worked or went through and it was because of the mask or not? Maybe they just social distanced. I mean, this is completely flimsy. But it says, based on these results, we determined that across healthcare and community settings, those who wore masks were less likely to get COVID. Now, I'm not saying it doesn't have a place. You can read through these things. But my God, if you actually dig through this stuff, it's very, very subjective. And here's what it said. The results have shown a correlation. That's it. Between wearing a mask and contracting COVID-19 with more than 92% of people in the included studies not getting COVID-19 when they wore a mask. That's it. So you wore a mask and they didn't get it, so there's, we can't, there's no proof there. Like, just because you wear the mask and don't get sick doesn't mean you couldn't have gotten sick. Like, this is just complete, this is, the, this is exactly what they would make fun of if it was in the reverse. Now, there was, I think there was a couple of things I was going to show you, but I, I'm kind of forgetting in the moment. Let's see. I think that was basically it. It was conducted to identify relevant studies. This is a medical librarian conducted a literature search using PubMed, Web of Science, Embase, and Cochrane Library. That's it? Seriously? So there's a lot of these peer-reviewed studies that aren't on any of those places. So how do they, so they just 
I mean, so there's a selective choice on which places to look and which ones to pick. I don't know how you act like that's completely non, not subjective. But it says only English language articles were retrieved, so that gets rid of the ones in Denmark and the ones in India. The ones we're just pointing at, by the way. Those are choices as well. well I don't know why. Anyway, anyway, I could go on forever. The bottom line is, guys, this is not completely outside the realm. They shouldn't ignore it, but it's obvious that this is a choice. Now, just to include again, because don't forget, my accounts continue to be censored, which I'll point out in a minute, so you lose these videos from before, but here is my mask video that I've played many times. I'll play really quickly again. One minute. And it includes all these peer-reviewed studies that weirdly aren't included in their massive meta-analysis. Isn't that strange? All the ones that seem to show exactly what we're talking about? Yeah, very strange. Let me play this clip for you really quickly. For those that haven't seen it, just really quickly. And all the peer-reviewed links are right there, so you can confirm what this says. The Fogan effect. This study revealed that wearing face masks might impose a great risk on individuals. New study, face mask usage correlates with higher death rate. Was not able to reduce transmission. Also suggests the universal use of masks may have had harmful unintended consequences. The carbon dioxide content in inhaled air rises on average to 13,000 parts per million, no matter whether children wear a surgical or a higher level mask. This study, the random controlled trial of cloth masks, moisture retention, reuse of cloth masks, and pore filtration may increase your risk of infection. Cloth masks should not be recommended. In the pooled analysis of everything, we found no significant reduction in influenza transmission with the use of face masks. There is limited evidence for their effectiveness in preventing influenza virus transmission, either when worn by the infected person for source control or when worn by uninfected persons to reduce exposure. Our systematic review found no significant effect of face masks on transmission of laboratory-confirmed influenza. So, we, so what I was, I was on mute there. For those in the podcast and Instagram, as I was saying, that is the CDC meta-analysis from 2020 in May, which is finding the exact opposite of the people that just went over some of those, apparently, and handpicked the ones they wanted and didn't find that. Interesting. Now, here's something I'll include. Corporate America put a bunch of stuff together, uh, these links around this conversation, as he says, uh, where was it? Now, well, one of these, he basically says, he puts together some of the research that we discuss on this show. But here's a breakdown of all these links that talk about the different studies. It's important stuff. I'm not going to go, a lot, most of this we've gone over. Like, you can see the Fogan effect, but I'll include this so you can read through this. It's, it's important. And you can see people like this going, nonsense, people with respiratory problems in, uh, do not, uh, where was it? Respiratory problems frequently wear masks when traveling. That's the kind of logical nonsense, like, or illogical. So because people wear them, therefore that must be working. <laughs> Those are people that are tricked, just like you. Grumpa is his name. You aren't a doctor and should not be making medical claims without understanding someone's medical condition. Yeah, if you have any medical condition, wearing a mask is dangerous for you. That's a fact. Because of all the thousand reasons I've gone over that I'm not going to dive into now. There's, I mean, even if you have an issue, a, a situation where you think, Blocking yourself from outside contaminants is important, unless we're talking like particulates in the air, not the kind of size of viruses or whatever else. Like, I mean, even smoke, for crying out loud, they tell you not to wear a mask because it doesn't stop anything. Like, there's no reason you should be wearing these. And if you have something where you need to stop things in the environment, well, then you should be fitted for a respirator, like the real kind, where you have to get fitted and you have to adjust it every single time, which is not what's happening. Anything we're being told to wear today, from N95s to medical or surgical masks or cloth masks, are not statistically significant in reducing transmission. The Fogan effect makes that very clear. They think that the N95s actually exacerbate the problem. 
I've gone over it many, many times. Now, to the next point, I want to make sure you guys see, before we get into the censorship, that they are literally ramping up this monkeypox argument. Ah, yeah, somebody's commenting saying, my website is incredibly slow. I mean, guys, I do not know how to stop this. I'm telling you, I, 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 I need somebody to help. And there's people reaching out. I just don't know how to trust people that I don't know. You know, that's the problem. But we are under attack aggressively, and I'll, show, I'll make that in a minute. But the monkeypox emergency is, is, is already happening. There's another place now. Before I even play this clip, now we have Illinois declaring a state of emergency for monkeypox, a public health emergency. For, there's no deaths. That's the point of the altered definition. I can't believe we're actually here right now. It's blowing me away. But let me play Lena Wen yet again, coming on and saying that she wants the United States to declare a state of emergency. Just like Trump did for COVID-19, she's asking for Biden to do it for monkeypox. This is pretty crazy, guys, that this is even happening based on what the data around the story is showing. I think the biggest mistake was not having enough testing initially. The entire goal here was to identify individuals who have monkeypox. If we were able to find everyone who had monkeypox, then we are able to identify all their contacts. Right, right. So PCR test. That's what she's arguing. PCR test. So we should go out and use a PCR test that has been shown to be wildly riddled with false positives. As even they admit. Remember, the CDC even put on their site 30% false positive. I, don't, I believe that's no longer there, but we now have the people, or we've had the people from the beginning, like the person I told you that used these to test the genetic sequence of muscles in the ocean before this all started, and he laughed out loud. I didn't follow it up with that and showed him his clip of something he said in the middle of all this. That he, When he was using these, he said it was useful for what he used it for, but it was so riddled with false positives, he has no idea how they're using this to argue that they can test. Carrie Mullis said that this is impossibly, you cannot use it to define whether somebody is sick. It's impossible. You have a yes or no answer. Is there something there or not? And realize just because there's something there does not mean you're sick, transmissible, or will ever get sick. That's a fact. And on top of that, as Kerry Mola said, you'll find whatever you want to find if you truly continue to look for it. He makes this joke about, you know, the, the kind of oneness argument that if you really tried with this, this test, it makes you believe in God because you can find whatever you look for in anything you look for then if you just simply continue to go further down. Now that's that's what he's it, no longer with us, but was a very very intelligent person who designed this test and told us that it's not how it's supposed to be used. I don't know how we can challenge that as the creator of the test, but the point is that you can have a small fraction of a substance on you that doesn't mean it's just passing through that you will not get sick from. And then yet they're using this and they increase the cycle threshold until they find a positive. The point is that Dr. Scoglio, PhD, tested a kiwi live on the air and it found positive. Many people have done this. He said that he sees upwards of 95% false positives with over 40% cycle threshold, or 40 cycle threshold. And this country still uses 40 to 45 for testing both monkeypox and COVID-19. I've seen this stuff. And then, of course, after the fact of the vaccine, they use under 25 for breakthrough cases. What does that tell you? They made sure it was lower so they wouldn't. It's creating an illusion. Less positives on one side, more on the other. Pretty clear. But she's going, test more for monkeypox with the PCR test. Well, you know what's going to happen? They'll find more cases. What do you know? Not because they're all there either. And we also have to ask ourselves what we're actually testing for. Because to ask yourself this, guys, this, the, the symptoms are completely off the rails. It is transmitting, at least according to the narrative, different than we've ever seen before. And nobody's ever explained how that makes sense. Nobody's tracked any kind of transmission trail back to Africa where it's endemic. 
or so we're even told then, by the way, the people that challenge the entire idea of this, but the bottom line is, at what point in history have we just jumped on what we see in front of us without trying to explain or prove that it is what you've said it was, that it has come from a certain place, and here's why it's now different? They're just going, well, it is, we think, so take these dangerous injections and we'll test for it. Remember that the smallpox injections are dangerous. They admit they're dangerous, and yet they're arguing you should use it for something that's dramatically less dangerous than the thing they say is dangerous enough to rationalize this dangerous vaccine. That is a corporate media conversation. They called it the most dangerous vaccine in existence in 2002. They're still telling you to use that now for something that was designed using cowpox for smallpox and now saying because we can infer the animal studies that it makes sense for monkeypox and you're not even in risk of dying. I mean, guys, this is so crazy off the rails and realize that those things are not approved for children, even though they're being argued for children right now. I mean, I could go off for hours about the monkeypox injections. Let me finish this clip. Um, monkeypox is very different from COVID. It's spread through direct prolonged contact. Also, we know that if people get the vaccine early on in their exposure, that actually prevents them from getting monkeypox. And they're See, this is incredible. So now she's saying, go get this dangerous injection that has all... Remember, guys, the craziest part about this... I, mean, I might as well... No, that's right. I can't grab it because I don't have my links saved. The CDC page for the, the smallpox vaccine says very clearly that one in every thousand people has a chance of being able to spread vaccinia, which is cowpox, essentially, from the site if you touch it or somebody else touches it. So now you're essentially spreading something that's not smallpox or monkeypox if someone touches or gets close to this injection that you've just had. That's what their site says. And so she's saying, go get it whether or not you're sick. And, and on top of that, one in a million people who take this will die. That's what their site says. That's why it's called the most dangerous vaccine. The point is they argue smallpox is so dangerous that that's an acceptable level of risk. Not for anything else. I argue not at all. But how do we make sense of this? that stops the chain of transmission. So we had an opportunity when there were relatively few cases to find everyone who had monkeypox, identify their contacts known as ring vaccination, vaccinate all their contacts, stop further transmission from occurring. So basically what she's arguing is we should have mass tested everyone in the country without their, whether they want to or not. That's what she's saying. How, how else would you do that? Suggestively say, hey, come test if you want to? No, she's saying the only way we find out is if we test everybody, then we know we can figure it out. She's always been like this from the beginning of the entire discussion. Mandate, lockdown, not your choice. Force the vaccines. That's crazy. And this is exactly what they want. The problem now is that because we didn't have enough testing to begin with, there are so many more cases that we don't even know about. That's why we have... Or there's not any, right? Don't, let's you just get to guess at it and say, because we didn't test, there's more of them. Like, it could be. But how could you possibly know that for sure? It's infuriating that they're allowed to be so subjective in the, in the direction of what they think the argument is, but we can't even objectively converse about peer-reviewed science when it challenges the narrative. You get the point. It's frustrating. To resort to vaccinating a much larger number of people, but we don't have enough vaccines for all those individuals. So I do fear that the window for containment is closing. Certainly, we had a much better opportunity months ago than we do now. And that argument is always the same. It's sort of like making it sound like, we only have so many doses, so <clears throat> you hurry up and get in line. That's never been the case. Right in the beginning, I showed you this. There was not, there was, people were walking in with no appointments and getting those things just like that as they were screaming, we're about to run out. Make sure you get your appointments. The idea that we'd ever not have enough is absurd. Are we going to pretend that they wouldn't make as many as possible or haven't been making and stockpiling these? Isn't that the whole point of the strategic stockpile? They're supposed to be, I mean, they just had all these war games and 
pandemic response studies about whether or not we're prepared multiple times, Crimson Contagion, Event 201, on and on, smallpox, all, all sorts of things. And I guess they didn't take their own advice? Yeah, shocking. Just like every other time. What they find in Event 201? That we didn't have enough masks, we didn't have enough PPE, we didn't have enough ventilators, we didn't have enough this ready, we were ready for that. And then months went by, and then it started, and guess what? <laughs> didn't have this, we didn't have that. So exactly what they found we weren't ready for is what we ended up not being ready for. That's not... I mean, it, malfeasance is a part of it. That is about seeding the narrative into your mind to say, this, you know, then it makes sense to you. Oh, of course we were sure. Didn't we know that already? But the point is they did that in Crimson Contagion as well. Or the, uh, the what was the other one we did? There's three or four different pandemic study, pandemic emergency games they played where they found this, and over and over they weren't prepared. And yet, did they go out and get more masks? Not, 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 I'm not even saying they should have. My point is that's what they argued. I think it's just about setting up the narrative that they didn't have what they needed. But the bottom line is they kept telling themselves that and didn't do it. So either they didn't care or they didn't – that was just a narrative they spun. The vaccines for smallpox, monkeypox, COVID, anything like that, they're not worried about running out. They're worried about making you think they're going to run out. So closing but not lost, do you think that with a course correct now? Dark winter. Thank you, Orwell. That's, that's the specifically was the smallpox involved. Uh, cities like San Francisco, New York, but more broadly, can, can get this under control? I get it under control. Is it out of control? You see, see, see the narrative spinning? How is this out of control when nobody's died? When, when, when we can't even prove this is what we say it is. It's about getting you hyped and worried about the next thing. I think there is still a very small window for us to do that. And I do think it's time for the U.S. to declare a state of emergency as well, because that will allow for a much better coordinated response. It allowed the Biden administration to appoint a monkeypox czar to oversee these efforts. A monkeypox czar, because that's what we all want is a czar for monkeypox, right? or a czar for whatever the next thing is. That whether monkeypox is the thing, it's about setting the narrative, guys. We are walking into, we are goose-stepping into the biosecurity state. That's what's happening. We are watching this lead into it, and she's just setting these things up. Declare an emergency, because we just, that way we get the powers we want. Is it an emergency? What's the definition of an emergency anymore? Whatever they say it is. You see, here's the point. The emergency to them is we see something that could become an emergency. Now, you may even argue, well, good, they need to get ahead of it. But the problem is that these people have routinely shown themselves to be dishonest. Whether it's about lying to, about what they want you to do and using lies to get you to do it, or however you want to frame this, they are dishonest. The government has always been dishonest. So to argue that they can state an emergency because of what may happen, that is predictive programming medical pre-crime, pre-crime, everything we talked about where they're just saying it's going to be and then they do the thing and then they go, well, because we did this, that's why it didn't happen. Well, is that the case or did they just set that up, right? Well, this was going to happen, but thank God we gave you this because now it won't happen. It would have been a lot worse if I hadn't taken that injection. Yeah, I did. That's, that's kind of the same point we're making here. It will also allow for more resources to be put into this as well. I hope that the window hasn't closed. I think that there is still an opportunity. And just to underscore why this is the case, monkeypox may not be as fatal as a lot of other illnesses. But or not at all. Zero deaths. Yeah, not as fatal. Yeah, quite a bit not as fatal. <laughs> we don't want another disease that we have to worry about in perpetuity if it's... That's how the that's how the how, that's how life works. See, this is the they're, they're in the state where they're arguing they can just eradicate these things. That never happens. Yeah, we eradicated polio. Oh, polio back. 
if that's even what's happening. The point is they just it's not, you don't just eradicate something. It's all it becomes endemic. It becomes background stuff. People become immune to these things. They're there. That's not what she's talking about. Takes hold here. Also, we don't want it to affect the most vulnerable, including young children and pregnant women. That hasn't really happened as much yet here in the U.S., but we want to contain it before that happens. Right. So pregnant women and young children. Oh, and immunocompromised. All the three things that they even COVID-19 injections don't know if they're safe. And you can read the same about monkeypox or excuse me, smallpox vaccines that they're calling monkeypox vaccines. They don't know if they're safe for pregnant women. They don't know if they're safe for immunocompromised. They don't know if they're safe for children. They have not approved and that they say it right in the documentation. But yet let's push it out for them because they're in danger. It's infuriating. It's insulting to your intelligence. But as I said, this is Illinois governor declares state of emergency for monkeypox. That, ha that just happened. As I said, I honestly can't believe it's happening. Are you going to allow this painfully slow boiling manipulation to happen again? It's up to you. It's truly up to you. Biden test positive for COVID again, days after initial recovery. The point is, this just never ends. And it's absurd to watch as they argue this is how it's supposed to go. So if this is how it's supposed to go, that means it's working. What does that tell you about the new things they're working on? How much, how much better are those going to be or worse? It's insulting. So that's two boosters. So it's two shots, two boosters, two Paxlovid. And they just say, oh, that's just the expected rebound. <laughs> my God. You know, ivermectin, by the way, which is what this is a knockoff of, doesn't have that effect. But, you know, it, it's a, maybe just about keeping these things going. But as Brett Weinstein points out, given that effective apparently means you need four doses in less than two years and it still won't protect you from contracting and transmitting of COVID, what do you suppose safe actually means? It's a good point. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. But as Blair White points out, just on the context of trusting the science, we keep making this point in other, other discussions, right? Trust the science. Oh, except that. We don't agree with that science. <laughs> just, it's so insulting how contradictory they are. It's sort of like you know, a, a group calling themselves Antifa, anti-fascist, while literally espousing fascist concepts. It's, this is where we are today. It's this everything means nothing, nothing means everything. But she points out, the FDA's warned, and I'll show you next, this is true, because I know she's very partisan. I, you know, not that you shouldn't listen. My point is always, guys, no matter where it comes from, if something's true, it's true. Doesn't mean you should dismiss anything, regardless of whether it comes from a partisan website or not, or a partisan person or not. But the FDA, FDA has warned that puberty blockers for transgender discussions can cause swollen brains and vision loss in children. I find it interesting, by the way, that there are some overlaps the, the swollen brains, encephalitis. That's a very, very common association with the injection that they just don't want to talk about. But they're warning. There's dangers here. As she points out, isn't it funny how the trust the science people are suddenly so quiet? It's true. Well, you're not allowed to attack that kind. Oh, you're a racist or you're a bigot. Well, suddenly science is bigot because bigot, bigoted because it says we don't like to point out. Well, here's the Daily Wire, first of all. I'll show you that something else for people that are going to be, oh, Daily Wire. FDA officials warn of brain swelling, vision loss in minors using puberty, blo puberty, pu puberty blockers. If I can say that properly. Puberty blockers known as uh, uh, gonadropine. Uh, let me see. See if I can get that right. Gonadropine. I'm going to say that. I'm going to say that wrong for sure. Let me look that up. Oh, huh, that's weird. New computer. Oh, there we go. Gonadotropin. Gonad. See, that's I don't know. Give me, give me something in the chat. Give me some phonic spelling here. Any case, GnRH releasing hormone. That is an interesting word. Gonadotropin. Gonadotropin. 
In any case, guys, the point is GNRH substances received a warning from the FDA officials earlier this month, which is weird. Where is that? Where's the conversation in the corporate media, right? Warning saying the drug could cause brain swelling, loss of vision, and serious risks for children injecting the hormone. Look at that. Officials said a plausible association between using puberty blockers and the uh, the symptoms we're discussing display symptoms similar to the brain tumor. A brain tumor was identified in six year old six young girls between the age of five and twelve. My God, quote five were undergoing treatment for central uh, precocious puberty and one for transgender care. I, I don't think I actually brought this up. There's a tweet somebody said this about, said in this context. Think about this, guys, that you need a permission slip to go to the zoo for a field trip. But if you want to get some puberty blockers and discuss this at school, no big deal. In fact, you'll be called a bigot if you argue that the parents should have a choice. Think about how crazy that is. You can't, you can't buy cigarettes, alcohol, join the military, drive a car, but you can change your gender irre- irrevocably for the rest of your life, at a time when you barely understand what you want in your life, and trends and what's popular always guides people in this point. It's blowing my mind that this is even still happening. But the bottom, and as always, guys, if you're an adult, do what you want. I don't care. I'll even respectfully call you what you ask me to call you, as long as you don't force me to do so. I don't care. I don't care what you want to be called. But the problem is that people are being forced to go along with this, and this is dangerous. I mean, it's, it's, it's any other context of this. Children are acknowledged to not have the capacity to make these decisions. This is wild. And now we have examples of how the things they're giving them are dangerous. Geez, what a shock. Giving them things that alter their, their hormones and, and their, their very bodily makeup at a time when their body's still growing? Yes, yeah, shocking. It says such symptoms in the patients included visual disturbances, headaches, and vomiting. Now, my question is, are those going to be perceived as COVID-19? Just, just a thought. Maybe not. Maybe the vision part will sway it, or maybe they'll go, oh, visual disturbance is a new side effect of COVID-19, or, you know, uh, symptom. But how interesting is that, that these people will be, oh, I'm sick, and they get PCR tests with false positive, and it's, oh, it's COVID-19. Keep taking the puberty blockers. I bet you that's at least happening. But it said an increase in blood pressure, brain swelling, and uh, abdunces neuropathy. And so it's new terms, abdunces neuropathy. But it says a per, a, see, what's funny is, by the way, guys, is that people will try to like make, make an issue about, oh, can't even pronounce these words. I'm not embarrassed to not be able to pronounce the, you know, medical terms I've ever seen before. I, I could look them up and try to remember them before the show. I don't care. It really doesn't matter because it's not about whether or not I can pronounce the words I've never tried to pronounce live before. It's about whether you have critical thinking skills and whether you can look into this stuff and you're intelligent enough to ask questions and do the research and look these things up and kind of, you know, it, it's, I just want to make that point. There's always somebody that will try to make that, you know, attack people for things like that. But it says a spokesperson for the FDA toward, uh, told formulary, for, uh, for, formulary Watch, Formulary Watch, what is that? It's a website. Interesting. Formulary Watch. The cases were considered clinically serious and determined that a warning should be added to all these products approved, approved for pediatric patients. Approved. Oh, look at that. Something that was approved by the FDA is now suddenly causing brain swelling, vomiting, headaches, disturbances in your vision, and all sorts of other crazy problems. Who would have thought? Nothing else that was even emergency authorized could ever possibly cause things like that, because that'd be fake news conspiracy theory, right? <laughs> it's crazy. 
But interesting, right? Trust the science. Well, here, here is, by the way, from American, uh, American Academy of Pediatrics making the same point. Getting into the details. Read it for yourself. Now to go over to the exposed part of this where the government is being exposed for their corruption colluding with other groups or pressuring them, in fact, to change what they're going to do. We made this point from the very beginning when Biden would step up and say, when these get approved, then we'll start to, we already ordered them and we already have steps in process. Do you not think that's going to drive them to potentially take a certain action? But that's not the, be that's not the best of it or the worst of it, I guess. They pressured them. You'll find here that they reached out to them, they emailed them, colluded with somebody at the top to force this in whether or not the studies and science showed what they said it did. In fact, these people resigned in protest because it didn't. And we talked about that at the time. Here's Jay, uh, forget how to pronounce his last name, professor of Stanford School of Medicine, PhD, pointing out FOIA documents show that the White House and Pharma pressured the FDA scientists to approve COVID boosters. Epic Times posts this. And he says, note, it is perfectly safe to click through the Epic Times site, even though it says it's not safe. Don't Just to make this point again, this always happens with Epic Times, with Off Guardian, with The Last American Vagabond, with Plant Bitchute. Oh, it's a dangerous site, it's going to steal your identity. No, no, it's not. Most of these sites have SSL certificates and everything else. That's just something Twitter does because they're completely dishonest. But here's the article. July 29th. Top FDA officials concerned about pressure to authorize COVID-19 vaccine boosters. In the emails, top officials at the FDA were worried about what they saw as pressure being placed on them by vaccine companies and the White House to clear booster shots. According to newly released emails, Dr. Marion Gruber, we, we talked about this guy in the past, along with, I forget the other guy's name, it was Gruber, 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 and Malarkey, I think it's somebody else, I forget the names. But it says the director of the FDA's Office of Vaccine Research and Review, the OVRR, said that she was, quote, very concerned that companies such as Pfizer and Janssen are trying to put pressure on them or public relations in one of them, uh, uh, says put pressure on them by way of PR, excuse me, or public relations. Try to use the, that to pressure them to make a decision. Quote, we need to be given time to consider their data and cannot be pushed by these companies and, for that matter, the administration, meaning Biden's administration, who try to impose timeless or timelines that make no sense. Now, by the way, this was happening during Trump's administration, too, so don't forget that. They were pressuring him the same way. He was transparent about it. Warp speed. Let's get this out as fast as possible. Same thing's happening now. The group said that the protection from the COVID-19 vaccines were declining over time and that a booster shot will be needed to maximize vaccine-induced protection and prolong durability. So here's that point again, guys. We knew, they knew, this would not stop transmission. Why? Because their data said so. I showed you the, the Forbes article discussing it in March 2020, or when was it, end of 2020, which I covered then. And the reason Forbes said it is because Pfizer data said it. That's why I said it. And it was called fake news. We were censored for it. And only just now are some of these independent or corporate outlets beginning to say, oh, well, it was never supposed to stop transmission. And it wasn't just Walensky admitting that or Israel study admitting that. It was always the case. They knew that from the very beginning. And that's what we're now finding out. And that's what Dr. Burks had just admitted too, right? Even though she also knew it. So they're pushing these things, even though they knew it wouldn't do the thing they said was the one thing we needed to make it work. Think about how crazy that is. I mean, that just blows my mind. So now, what you're seeing here 
The group said the protection from the vaccines were declining over time and that a booster shot would be needed to maximize it. They're saying, look, we know this isn't working. We know it's going away. So let's rush the booster out instead of finding something that works because we'll just get them to take these things every six months. That's what their argument was, guys. That's why the propaganda push said that because that's what they told the media to say. It's so very transparent. Marx was encouraging Moderna to submit a formal request for booster authorization. Marx urged Moderna to file a request as soon as possible. Marx being, uh, where was it? Dr. Peter Marx, director of the Center for Biologics Evaluation and Research at the FDA. So they are, the point where I just lost my place here. Here we go. So the idea that they're pushing this knowing it won't work has to be considered, I'll go to, go to this next, in the context of the new boosters they're pushing right now. They're still pushing number one shot based on the Wuhan isolate, still right now, as they're arguing that these things were pushed because they knew they weren't working, they never stopped transmission, and that goes along with all the incredible mountain of side effects they're arguing are super rare, but my point is always, even though they're not super rare, the point is, even hypothetically, if they were super rare, there is enough in that gigantic pile to make them combined not even remotely rare. Think about that. That's easy to prove. Then realize that things like myocarditis and Bell's palsy and thrombosis and all the things we talked about, heart attacks and blood clots, these things are not rare, not even remotely. Just look at the VAERS reports that they just keep dismissing. Marx was encouraged to submit the formal request. It goes on to say, quote, I had to bite my tongue so as not to ask about the booster doses that the administration promised to everyone by September 20th. That's my point. They promised them before they had made a decision. That's obvious pressure. That is politics guiding science, not the other way around. Quote, he keeps on telling me to follow... the workload because, quote, while I was bull, at the same time he encourages sponsors to send in submissions, and I'm sure promises fast turnaround. The point is, he said, following the approval, mind you, this is before that happened. So he, how in the world is he assuming, look, they're, they're making steps under the assumption that it will be approved while the team is still looking at the evidence. What does that show you? It's a foregone conclusion. In another message, Gruber pushed back when Marx messaged Fink to personally review work they were doing analyzing vaccine data, which Marx said was done at the behest of Woodcock. Janet Woodcock of the FDA, uh, was the FDA as well, I believe. No, excuse me. Let's take it. The Commissioner Janet Woodcock, that's right. National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. Oh, no. See, I knew I was I'm confusing myself. Sorry, guys. I was right. A acting Commissioner of the FDA. I just saw this afterward that you're talking about Fauci. The point is, not to confuse the issue, is that people at the FDA were pressuring them because they were at the top, arguably not there to do what the FDA is supposed to do. That they were put there because they, they would toe the line, right? So what we're seeing is them stepping in of the very team that's hired and their job is to review the evidence and give an assessment and saying, well, we're going to look over your evidence and do it again. <laughs> Essentially work over your shoulder and change what we want. This is corruption very obviously taking place. It's beyond question. To rush to get boosters cleared was prompted by the joint statement from the White House and the administration of Biden, according to Van uh, Balen. So they pushed this to happen because of the statements they signed before they ever approved the information. Approved of it, not approved like in sense of the objections. Quote, the message appears to be, quote, total buy-in in the need for boosters. 
Gruber wrote in another email, asking for edits on a statement the FDA was preparing. Quote, this is not how I am writing the, the, the information. I am trying to take a more neutral approach. The piece addressing what Woodcock and them were writing at the behest of the White House sounds as if we already decided to approve the supplement. Because that's what they did. They wrote this statement that was basically already a foregone conclusion while they were still reviewing. Imagine how upsetting this would be to somebody who thought they were doing the right thing. That's why Gruber, these people, to get ahead of it, which you already know, resigned in protest. And they went ahead with it anyway. So the very people testing for safety and reviewing evidence for safety resign in protest because they're not safe. And they push it forward anyway and force it on people. And we're crazy? My God. It says... Maureen Hess, a, co a colleague, said that she would make edits, but noted that Woodcock signed on to the joint statement. She said, so our edits may be rejected above, above us. Right? So we, they made the edits that they wanted, and it, they didn't do them, is the point. They put it out the way they wanted it. Gruber and Dr. Phil Krauss, who uh, who uh, deputy director at OBRR, resigned from the FDA because of these disagreements over the need for boosters. They felt it was dangerous, and at the very least, not clear that they were needed, and they resigned. The FDA, Marks, and Woodcock declined to comment, of course, because that's how transparent the government is today. The FDA's outside advisory panel challenged the administration's effort for boosters for all. We saw that. We talked about it. Voting only to recommend authorization for boosters for specific subsets. However, the FDA bypassed that panel, authorized the booster for all adults, triggering public pushback from Krauss and another former FDA scientist. So multiple people pushed back. So you have the two people primarily researching this beforehand resign in protest because they don't think what they're doing is right. Then the outside panel reviews it says that we don't think it's right. The FDA passes over all of that and says, you're all crazy, we're going to do it anyway. And more people spoke up afterward. Let's realize how obviously you were correct in the chat, guys. How clearly that the evidence did not support what they did and they did it anyway. Second boosters have since been cleared after they got rid of the pesky people that cared about truth, right? They got them out of the way, put people in place. They could look, they could tell what to do, and here we are. Now we're on booster one, two, three, four, five, six, doesn't matter, right? Keep it going. Tens of millions of Americans, because of the waning protection, they, well, excuse me, it's the second boosters have since been cleared for all these Americans because of the waning protection, if that's even really there. There are signals that virtually all Americans will soon be advised to get second boosters. Despite the evidence, guys, despite the pushback from the very people designed to test for safety and read the evidence. Graveyard Pirate points out, another one you should follow, by the way, but, you know, knowing these days, I'll show you next, it's probably going to be censored, just because it looks like it's generally associated with T-Lab. It says, yep, we're still in warp speed mode as this next-gen vaccine starts clinical trials soon. Very soon, or in the near future, depending on which corporate article you read. It's already happening. Here's the article he lists. Moderna and Pfizer to start clinical trials for COVID boosters that target specifically BA5. We already talked about this, but it's already, now it's about to happen. August 1st, by the way, just note, guys, when you see this kind of stuff, it says last updated August 1st. So some, something was changed on this today. I didn't take the time to go through and compare the old one, but just note that there's nowhere in the article that shows you what they changed. What they're supposed to do is go to the bottom and, and put a, an asterisk and say, here's what was altered. That's what real journalists are supposed to do. But now they just do this, and that's what most of them are starting to do, where they can just change it whenever they want, as often as they want, and as long as they put the date, they did it. <laughs> as if we can go, you know, it's, it's just insulting. This is how corporate media operates today. They update and change things on a whim with no accountability. That's not journalism. But it says, we need vaccines with longer duration and greater breadth of protection. 
Right. So they're not working? No, no, no. They're safe and effective. Take them right now. But we need ones that work, though. So I'm confused, right? You get the point, guys. It's not. You, you, you can't say that we need things that work and then say, but these ones still work. At the very least, their argument is, well, they still have some effect. Well, fine. If you think there's some effect, that doesn't sound like an effective thing that's going to save me if you think you're in danger. It's, it, it's insulting. As if you're just supposed to get, come, just get the injection so you're in line with what we want you to do, then just wait for the next thing to come out. This is why, as we said in the beginning, people are standing up and going, we're sorry. You guys were right. Moderna and Pfizer have not yet started clinical trials for the new COVID shots. Think about that. So they haven't even started them yet. They're not doing safety trials. That's why they think they can expedite this. But what's the argument here? That by, by what, the months that it's going to take to do that, that they won't, there won't be new variants? I mean, they seem to be popping off every 30 seconds right now, at least what they tell you. So my argument is even if they are actually happening, that they'll just ignore the next so over many so they can push this next thing in on you anyway. But the bottom line is, based on what we've already seen, to stop and make a new thing based on one specific variant is not going to make sense because it'll be the same problem. Two months from now, there'll be three other new things and it'll be doing the same thing we're doing now, giving something for the first thing that's not effective on this thing we're doing now. It's ridiculous. They just want to get you in this routine of taking whatever they put in front of you just like the flu vaccine. We should have been questioned that the whole time. It has long been expected, it says, that COVID-19 vaccines need to be reformulated to better protect against currently circulating variants. Well, that's not really accurate. It isn't long been. We've been saying that. They've only just started admitting these things aren't working. But they're working great, but not enough, though. <laughs> Whatever that means. The FDA in June recommended that the next generation of COVID boosters be a bivalent approach, which we've reported on, that equally target the original version, which makes no sense, and the new thing. You mean the original version that they admit is literally nowhere? So why? That is a big question for me. What's this obsession with this original substance? A lot of you probably have a lot of opinions. There's something going on there. Why would you... Okay, if the whole point is you need something that's not based on the original thing, because that's not working. You need something that's based on what's currently circulating. Like, at the very least, wouldn't they be like Delta and BA5 or whatever they say is the other circulating variant? It makes no sense to stick in the original version with the new thing. Unless there's some kind of agenda around that first thing getting in everyone's body. You tell me what I'm missing. That doesn't make any sense. Bottom line is that even those two things won't make sense when the new thing circulates around, or at least that's what they're telling us. Pfizer plans to start the clinical trial for this in the near future, whatever that means. That's what they quote in saying. Then it goes on to say the submission to the FDA for these shots will be slightly different in order to speed up their availability. You already know what this means. Now, here's this next highlighted portion here, this next half paragraph. Basically, all they could have said was no safety trials. This is them trying really hard not to say we won't test for safety. <laughs> God dang it. I don't know why this thing won't. There we go. So this next part means we won't test for safety. He told investors that Pfizer and the FDA have agreed that the application for the updated booster will include, quote, safety and immunogenicity data generated in adults with an Omicron-modified BA1 vaccine and supported by BA45 bivalent-specific clinical data and BA45 bivalent chemistry manufacturing control data. Yeah, the whole point is for you to lose what that means, what they're telling you. We're going to use data from the original thing and tell you that means you're safe. That's what that says, and that's what the data was clear about in their reports. We will not be testing safety for the new ones. We will 
infer what we tell you is safe because they're the same thing, right? Well, if they're the same thing, why do you need different things? They're literally saying that we're going to include safety data generated from the original thing and supported by the bivalent-specific preclinical data. Preclinical data. No safety trials in... It, it, this is unbelievable. They're putting you in danger more so than ever before by taking something that's standing on unproven science that's clearly dangerous and making it even more unsound. Tell me how I'm missing that. That is incredible to me. The not safety trial testing, the, the not using safety trials to push this forward was a huge part of this that was always there from the universal flu vaccine that they pushed before this to COVID-19. This has always been an agenda. And that's what they're pushing now. And now what they go on to say is BA5 is the most transmissible from SARS-CoV-2 so far. I don't know. I, I, I don't believe that's the case even. Let me show you why. It says surges in new cases are also behind the uptick in hospitalizations. Surge in new cases. Well, by the way, the uptick in hospitalizations are predominantly in the people with injections in their body, as even Biden and others have admitted. The, the most people dying from COVID right now are the people that haven't gotten their booster. Those are people with injections in their body. But it says there are about 43,000 people in the hospital right now who have tested positive for the virus. Yeah, how many with injections? Most, if not all. That's not my opinion. That's the data that you can see. Whatever their narrative is for that. It says, quote, the virus has continued to prove more than a formidable foe with variants of concerns emerging, each with a bit of enhanced transmissibility, says Fauci. And he says, well, how do we know that? Get this. He says it keeps bumping off the prior variants. Okay, let's, let's reflect on that a minute. So he's telling you we know that it's more transmissible, right? How? Well, because the other variants disappear. Well, does that exactly mean that we know it's more transmissible because the other variants go away? Are they even there? I mean, th think about that. Just because it's, I mean, yes, that would make sense logically in the context of epidemiology, the idea that this would, or virology, I guess, that this would spread faster, therefore it would kind of squeeze out the other ones. But that's, that's, a, that's not complete. That seems subjective to me. You are making an assumption based on something, it certainly would make sense, but how about, it's not, there's a, look, there's a lot of other possibilities. That is a self-serving assumption. But bottom line, what we can see for sure, it's not more dangerous. Now, what happened to the argument the Omicron was, it's almost like its own vaccine because it spreads, it's not more dangerous. Well, these things are less dangerous than the ones before it and spread more, so wouldn't that be better? Well, no, no, fake news because vaccines are good. That's, it doesn't matter. Even, even Fauci and Gates said this back with Omicron first started. It's kind of like its own vaccine. Well, we know that long haul is not real. It's psychosomatic based on the peer-reviewed science. We know that the risk of COVID for children and the myocarditis is peer-reviewed science shown to not be there. All these things are making up to make it seem like the unknown is the risk. Well, if there's not, that that's not there, why are we worried about this thing that's less dangerous than the flu? It's a good question. But it says, now, innovative approaches are clearly needed to induce broad and durable protection against coronaviruses, known and unknown. Right, the building the biosecurity state based on the hypothetical. But the point is, we don't need to induce broad and durable protection because most everybody has that. As the science already showed before we got here, as the two studies I would normally pull up that I can't grab right now show you that they found people had a majority of adults, in fact, before COVID, already had antibody reactivity. How do you explain that? Why wouldn't we consider that in the context of the discussion of immunity? Because it doesn't matter to them about immunity. It matters to them about getting injections in people's bodies. 
right now you have to acknowledge that if we most people have something already immunity wise that's their narrative why would we keep pushing these in people's bodies because the people that got the injections continue to diminish within months the people that don't have them are fine the science continues to back that up but they are desperate to i argue remove that control but known and unknown it's about whatever comes next the U.S. is at a critical point in the pandemic, it says. The public has largely ignored the official messaging around boosters. Have we? Or are people waking up? They want to act like we just got lazy. We don't want to do it anymore. We're tired of COVID. Or is it people are going, I almost died last time. My son can't walk anymore. I'm not going to take the next booster. That's what's happening, and that's why we saw that part in the beginning. It says only about one-third of people who qualify for the third booster or for a third dose, excuse me, of the vaccine, have gotten one. So you realize, guys, that's, that's the first booster, not booster two, and that's out there. We have people that have refused to get either dose two or dose three, depending on whether they got the one or two dose from the beginning. They are refusing. They're stopping. That is the majority, guys. You're not alone. Americans have largely moved on from caring about the virus. See, that's how they want to frame it. And that's creating a problem as immunity wanes. No, it's not. You see, the point that 75% of children have already gotten this, as they say, that means they have natural immunity that's durable, lasting, and robust, according to all the peer-reviewed science that they don't look at, but y'all trust the science. Then it says, White House and health officials were considering a second booster. Maybe we're going to approve it for everybody, but it didn't happen. You know why? Because they weren't taking it. They don't want to push this out and approve it and then realize that nobody wants it. That would make them look really stupid. So they act like they waffled on it and made the right choice because they already knew that it wasn't going to happen. They, they test the waters, guys. Then it says the Washington Post reported last Friday that the plan is on hold and officials are instead trying to move up the timeline for the next generation ones. See, they're just hoping if they push this next thing out, hype the fear around that, that they'll trick everybody to do one more next time. The booster, part one or two, is falling flat. So there's, let's mix it up. The U.S. has contracted with both these companies to supply the vaccines. Don't forget that. They're on the hook whether or not you take them. I guarantee that plays a factor in their decision. Friday's announcement with Moderna, they signed a $1.7 billion contract with the government to provide 66 million doses of the new vaccine. So understand that Biden's administration is already committed to buying the new thing whether or not you want it. Are you think that's not going to push them to force it on you? It already has, and it already will. Through, though, the currently available vaccines continue to do a good job preventing severe disease, fake news. It's not happening. It is not happening. By the way, they were never designed to prevent severe disease. They were designed to prevent and reduce mild to moderate symptoms. That is the only thing they tested. So this whole argument of reducing hospitalization and death was never there. Like they said, like they said at the beginning, hey, well, you won't die. You won't get it. Well, they did, and they are. Now they just go, well, it reduces it a lot. Well, that's still not true. The data doesn't back it up. The real-world observational examples don't back it up. And then you can just go back to the beginning and realize they never even tried to stop transmission, disease, death, or hospitalization, I should say. They didn't even include those. Read it for yourself. That's directly from Pfizer's documentation and Forbes covered at the beginning. And experts say, it continues, convincing individual Americans to get a booster every six months isn't sustainable. Okay, so it's not about whether it's safe or the right thing it's just not going to work. Think about that, guys. I mean, really take a beat and think about what that says. Or, or the fact that we'd read, we read the discussion from the FDA where they're literally repeating this and saying that, well, they knew it wouldn't work. They knew that 
Well, rather that they knew that these things needed to be pushed because people were going to lose immunity after six months or after three months, right? So they said, well, hurry up, get the boosters going. We need them because people will, okay. So was it safe? Was it the right thing or were they not working and you were just trying to push them out because you needed to save face? As the point is here, they're going, well, we pulled back on pushing the boosters because this is not sustainable. Well, sustainable shouldn't matter if they're safe and effective and they're doing what they're supposed to and you think it's the right thing for everybody. You see, none of that's the truth. That's a narrative being pushed on people so they could drive the injections until they realized that people weren't taking it anymore, so they pulled back and they're reevaluating their narrative. That's what's happening. It goes on to say, in the short term, this means that bivalent vaccines being developed right now by Pfizer and Moderna that are expected to arrive in time for the fall booster campaign, what a perfect correlation, right? Science can be timed exactly with when they think you need them, right? Longer term, pan-coronavirus vaccines that can protect against any strain of COVID-19, or SARS-CoV-2, rather, or nasal vaccines are believed to be more effective. Look at that. Remember how Dr. Bhakti is the one that was screaming back in the beginning, and rightly so, that none of these will work no matter what? Because there's no such thing as an intramuscular injection that stops respiratory virus that's simply not scientific, and he's right? <laughs> oh, we'll do a nasal one next. That's, none of this was ever about stopping any of this, guys. That's my opinion. But it says that they're working on, as I keep telling you, the universal injection. By the way, that they're already trying to mash in flu and coronavirus, probably because they're the same damn thing. The point, though, is that this is what they're already working on. Why would they be putting all this money and time and investment in something that's a hypothetical that may not even be needed? It's obvious what's happening. Pfizer told investors this week that it plans to initiate research into that pan-coronavirus vaccine by the end of the year. Quote, we aim to deliver a next-generation COVID vaccine that can provide durable antibody and T-cell immune protection against severe disease and hospitalization for at least one year. <laughs> well, first of all, we're, they're producing antibodies for something that's not currently there. The ones they're giving you do not produce T-cell immunity or memory B. We've talked about this many times. And on top of that, what they're pushing for the, the savior vaccine that's going to be the one they aim for to help ever is for only one year? At least! That's not how this is supposed to go. You are on the hook. So this is the same damn thing. Get ready for next year's COVID mRNA jabs that aren't safety tested. Then if you get sick, we'll call it something else. This is the, this, this is the entry into the biosecurity state. Now, as they're pumping all this out, screaming about all this stuff that we're proving isn't true and that people are beginning to admit, even in the corporate media, here's what CEO of Pfizer just said. That, no, 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 they're not lying or doing anything wrong. It's all those dirty conspiracy theorists out there using fear to make money. Right, because we're drowning in the cash, aren't we, as you guys literally attack every possible resource and revenue stream as we you know, barely survive on people's donations. I mean, it's embarrassing that they try to argue that there's profit in the conspiracy theory, even if that's what we were doing, while they are drowning in profit by something that was forced on everybody. And it's very dangerous. Yeah, trust this guy, because he's, he's very honest, right? People that uh, won't make money, some of them, by playing with the emotions of these people, are creating a whole uh, conspiracy theory, and they are trying to basically to benefit and profit from this fear of the people. And this is who are the criminals. Yeah, who else is trying to benefit based on fear? Let's think. Who are the groups out there that had literal written-down fear campaigns to drive certain actions? Oh, that's right, the UK, the United States, France, all of them had actually written down that we want to use scaremongering to drive them to take injections, right? And then who profits from that? Oh, that's right, that man sitting right there. 
So who's actually profiting from fear, right? <laughs> I mean, it's the, the pot calling the kettle black. How, it, it's everywhere. And then finally, as I said, and this is a point around the CDC, guys, the two-party illusion is such a problem. Here is, in my, in my opinion, it's like the problem. Here is somebody running for Congress in L.A. He says, we need a CDC independent from the administration and corporate influence, I agree so far, so they can focus on the science and its mission of preventing and controlling disease. Now, you could take that a different way. You could think that he doesn't mean it in the context of controlling you, but that is kind of how I take that. Now, what I said, you see, here's the problem of the two-party illusion. All you get are half measures that still drive the same agenda. What we need is an independent CDC or other, or multiple, but for that matter, that focus on science and its mission of advising people of the best course of action. Control should not be a factor. I want to get a little into the weeds here and the mRNA technology. When you and you and your, your colleagues were trying to decide which route to go down, the traditional vaccine route or the mRNA route, you, you write that um, it was, quote, most counterintuitive to go the mRNA route, and yet you went that route. Explain why. It was counterintuitive because Pfizer was mastering, or let's say we had very good experience and expertise with the multiple technologies that could uh, give a vaccine. Adenoviruses, that some of the other vaccines are. We, we were very good in doing that. Um, protein vaccines, we were very good in doing that, and plus many other technologies. Um, the mRNA was the technology, but we had less experience, only two years working on this. And actually, mRNA was a technology that never delivered a single product until that day. Uh, not vaccine, not any other medicine. So, uh, so it was very counterintuitive, and I was surprised when they suggested to me that this is the way to go. And I questioned it, uh, and I asked them to justify how can you say something like that. But they came and they were very, very convinced that this is the right way to go. They felt that the two years that, uh, of work on mRNA since 2018, together with BioNTech, to uh, develop a flu vaccine, uh, made them believe that the technology is mature and we are at the cusp of uh, delivering a product. Um, so they convinced me. I, I follow my instinct that uh, they know what they are saying. Ah, yes, he was convinced. Maybe, or maybe they went along. Either way, the point is, guys, that we don't need people that control your direction, do we? We need people that advise. It's supposed to be your choice. But you see, they're slowly going away from that. Now, to talk about censorship before we get to the last point, I want to make this clear so people understand what's happening. Yes, The Last American Vagabond was censored for the fourth time off of Twitter, yet again for peer-reviewed science and information that we can prove. That's the incredible part about this. For those who are interested, here's the next account. that will probably be gone soon, but just keep following along because this is how it works. But Enigma's Telkit was the person who sent me this, and I just changed this to C-Lab Censored. You can check it out for yourself. But the crazy part about this is here's the, the link I put down here. Here's the Whack-A-Mole account. Here they all are in a row, by the way. I'll show you next. But they're censoring these accounts one by one, many of which aren't even connected to me. That's the crazy part about this. Like, the, these people are setting them up in the hopes that I use them next, and I might. 
I have them all online. I've got 10, 15, 20 people that are waiting for me to use their accounts. The, the, the part is, though, that they set them up. It's their name, their number. I haven't even touched it. And yet they censor them because they think it's me. Just make sure you see what that shows you. They don't care about their own rules. We, we are being censored as, a, as, a, as an outlet, as an individual. That's not what they're supposed to be doing. It's supposed to be content-based. Now, even under the argument that I'm not allowed to start a new account because that you know, violates the rules, those aren't my accounts. How are you justifying censoring that person because you think it's me? That's the kind of censorship we're dealing with today. That's crazy, guys. Here's the new one. Please follow it. Share it around. But here's the other ones. So the bottom, Tennessee Pirate was the one I went, well, it goes this order, essentially. Here's T-Lav. Last American Vagabond. Then I went to You're All Dunces. Remember that? That one's gone. Then I went to Doodlebug Eye, which is my assistant's old account. Then I went to uh, Tennessee Vagabond, which is right here. Right? Then I went to Pirate Vagabond. Then I went to Whack-A-Mole. And they're all gone. I, you know, and it's, just, it's incredible. And I'm not making this up, guys. These are, you could see what they're saying I'm being censored for. Dr. McCullough pointing at peer-reviewed science. Things like that are a peer-reviewed study. Or challenging the idea that things can cause blood clots, and later they admit that they can cause blood clots. And yet they don't come back and let the counts come back. It's not about the data or the information. It's about the fact that we are attacking this in a successful way from a nonpartisan objective standpoint. That is what they're... Con I mean, there are plenty of wildly partisan people that poke into these points here and there. You see it all the time. Corporate media and independent likewise. But very few... Like, by the way, I'll give a shout-out because I'm going to play a great interview coming up shortly. Like, not today, but coming up probably tomorrow, in, for sure tomorrow. Like Kerry Wedler. Early on, got anti-media got completely wiped off the internet, and, so, and she continues to be censored for her videos on Instagram. It's because she's the same. She is independent. She is nonpartisan and wildly objective. That is what scares them, guys. You scare them. But the point is we were censored. And not only that, here's one of the ones I was, I was talking about. This is Emily's other account. I'm not touching that account. She had nothing to do with this new, this new one anyway, with the, with the other stuff. She's just retweeting what she likes and doing her thing with her own account, and they censored her. Why? Well, because they assumed she was connected with me. It's not a terrible assumption, but they were wrong, is the point. Here's another point. Val comes and posts underneath my new T-Lab censored account. Now, check this out. Now, this is due to other things, but it, it, what's funny is I can't even see what they say. And what she's posting is, no, here, the point is, it's based on some other content setting, but that, the point is not that it's blocked based on a setting. It's that what it's saying is this tweet might include sensitive content. You want to see what it actually was? That's her post right there. It was her posting a link to my tweet that just said the account was censored, and she's saying, are you kidding? T Again, T-Lab is the most censored news outlet on the planet, which tells you they are ones who follow and listen to your info. That's it. That is sensitive content? Yes, because they don't want me or anybody else seeing the reality that people are being censored that are being objective. Oh, and then by the way, as I was trying to add some follows to my new account, I got this message. You are unable to follow more people at this time. <laughs> cool. Free speech platform, right? Completely open. Oh, and this was somebody else's. I just I, This is another person's account that I hadn't started using. She reached out to me yesterday, I believe, and said, look, they suspended my account. I, I've never even touched this account. No connection to me whatsoever. There's plenty more of them. It was a broad sweep to censor anything associated with Last American Vagabond. Guys, you get the most flack when you're over the target, and you all know that. 
doesn't mean I'm right about everything. doesn't mean that that should be used as the assumption that what we're doing is automatically right because we're being censored. But you know what we're doing is objective. You know it. And it is incredible to watch this is happening in real time. And yeah, you know what? I, I mean, I'm starting to see there's plenty of other people that have been censored in, in you know, really huge ways. But they're larger platforms, let's say, that got censored. But I think it's a pretty easy point to make that I don't think anybody's been as censored as we have. Or even I have personally. I could be wrong about that, but you point at somebody who has been censored on literally every one of these platforms multiple times, and for all every time for very clearly sound reason or sound points. Their reasoning not being sound. Like pointing out peer-reviewed science or objectively asking questions about whether or not these things could do something censored. I mean, you literally named the platform, guys. We have been censored on it, other than the free speech platforms that are still <laughs> working with us. But to the censorship point, remember, we were the, the last point we were censored for was a... Or, excuse me, not the last point we were censored for, but the one that we exposed the CDC was calling out in a lawsuit by name, us. Here's another point to make that clear, and that's the idea of vaccine spike protein shedding. Just to jump ahead, you will remember this was the, the post, which, by the way, she also been deleted. I'll show you in a minute. She was censored for making this clear. Emails between the CDC director and Twitter execs on how to suppress free speech. And you can see in the link that it literally lists your old dunces right there. And what was the account about or the video about? Vaccine shedding. And that's the point is what they were, that's what they were calling out up here. Vaccine shedding. Well, seeing as how it's been proven, as uh, Twitter deletes, the mRNA technology pioneer who said on Twitter that, yes, people can shed the spike protein. Here's the tweet right there. I believe the, pe the, pe the shedding idea is the or that they shed spike protein, not virus. And it's certainly true that people that shed spike protein. It's right there. They censored him. Then they were forced to give it back because he's the expert. So, yes, it is happening. The point being that they wanted me to be removed from Twitter for posting that, even though I'm putting it in quotes because I'm citing that expert. And yet they still removed it, and they still censored me because of that. You see what I'm saying? This is factual stuff that they knew was true, that they, they, they focused in on to be removed. And here is just more example of how that's true. This is from May, by the way, but vaccine shedding, finally proven. Now, I wouldn't say finally... In this case, I just I would say more so. But he says, except that it is wrong, and or rather he's making a question up here. Do they shed the vaccine byproducts to us? He says uh, they were arguing the fact the, the bottom line is no, because the fact checkers told us, right? And you can see all these false fact check, not true, not fake, you know, shedding is fake news. Just like everything else they're told to fact check, even though they're completely wrong. I mean, think of how embarrassing that is. How many times these fact checkers, whether it's the origin story or blood clots or I mean, everything. They fact check it like they're told to, like little train dogs. And then the story comes out and they just never circle back. How embarrassing. What a terrible job. But he says, except it was wrong. Vaccine shedding has just been proven by science. Here's the study. Evidence for aerosol transfer, not of, not of just SARS-CoV-2, but specific humoral immunity. And you'll see what that means. As he's pointing out, it says, we identified anti-SARS-CoV-2 specific antibodies eluded from surgical masks worn by vaccinated people. That's the first part. 
But it says initial comparison of the nasal swabs acquired from children living in vaccinated households revealed readily detectable SARS-CoV-2 specific immunoglobulin, IgG, especially when compared to the complete deficit of SARS-CoV-2 specific antibody detected in the new few nasal swabs we obtained from children in non-vaccinated households. Here's what he says. Let me try to explain. First, the scientists from University of Colorado looked at face masks worn by vaccinated healthcare workers. They found that those workers shed antibodies generated by vaccination. That's the first part. And some antibodies got trapped in the masks and could be detected. So first of all, ask yourself whether that's a problem, that you're shedding antibodies. But it says this means that vaccinated people are literally shedding vaccine-caused antibodies. That's, again, the first part. It says, interested in that, Scientists looked further. They compared unvaccinated children living with unvaccinated parents to similarly unvaccinated children, but living with vaccinated parents. The kind of study that they never do unless they actually have an interest in the truth. It turns out that vaccinated parents actively shed, not just antibodies, but vaccine-produced particles onto their children. And what is one of those particles we already know can shed? Spike protein, right? And the point is that as the Salk Institute make, oh, shoot. I can't find I was going to grab it. I can't. The Salk Institute makes clear with their high-regarded study that the, the spike protein alone can cause disease. So however that gets onto your body or into your body, the fact the spike protein by itself can lead to disease, which can be then spread, has symptoms. Now, what is that, as I often point out? Is that the self-spreading vaccine in action? Is that COVID-19? No. To the second question. It has to be something different. I mean, ultimately, that is in and of itself something that's obviously spreading from person to person if, that, if all the peer-reviewed science we're looking at is true. And what they tell you is trust the science, right? <laughs> so according to them, it is. But as it goes on to say, it could even be due to lipid mRNA nanoparticles themselves shed and being transferred via saliva like a virus. mRNA nano, lipid nanoparticle shedding is most likely which, by the way, includes the instructions for making spike protein. This is obvious and dangerous that they chose to overlook. The authors, possibly in hopes of getting their article approved by science censors, called it a good thing, right? But, of course, this is completely ignoring all the side effects and other things that this causes, or the fact that spike protein is cytotoxic, which is dangerous. It says, our results suggest that aerosol transmission of antibodies may also contribute, of course, ignoring the other things that are also shedding, which the study finds, just focusing on antibodies, contribute to host protection, and represent an entirely unrecognized mechanism by which passive immune protection may be communicated. That's assuming that the right antibodies, that those antibodies can be taken into your body and then be used in the same way, or that it ignores all the other things that are also shedding that can be dangerous. That's why he says, in hopes of getting published, whether antibody transfer mediates host protection will be a function of exposure. But it seems reasonable to suggest, all things being equal that any amount of antibody transfer would prove useful to the recipient host. So an assumption at the very end. Maybe, and certainly maybe, but how about all the rest of it? That's the point. Again, seeing as how we know that this is happening, right? That you are shedding spike protein based on the expert's opinion. So, the study itself, the, spreading, the shedding of spike protein itself, Twitter trying to hide that, Here's the study. Here's one of the recent discussions we had, by the way, showing you the CDC targeted censorship of, C of TLAV. The point, though. Oh, here's the article. I forgot the free beacon. How the CDC coordinated with big tech to censor Americans. I'm just one of the people listed here, but it's very obvious. So, oh, and here's I keep forgetting. 
here is the doctor who posted this. Mary Tally Bowden, MD, posted this. Lawyer up, Twitter, NCC, posted all the documents from the court and got censored for it. Right, because it's fake news to post court documents, right? Total fake news. No, it's just not what they want you to see, which they then call fake news. And then all the followers and sycophants go, yeah, fake news, because she's censored. You wouldn't be censored if it wasn't fake news. Yeah, you're about 10 years late on that idea. But on top of all of it, guys, we are watching the dangers continue to happen that are being caused by the cover-up of all this information. Now, here's just a couple of examples. We've gone over these day out, day in and day out, how they're trying to hide what's happening. Here's one of the most ridiculous ones. The shower habit that could precipitate a heart attack in the healthy. July 22nd. Guess what? It says, a heart attack, also called a myocardial infarction. That's fun, right? That's what they are pointing at and calling it myocardial infarction in hopes that you don't realize that they're heart attacks when they talk about it in the COVID-19 injection discussion. But it says, the usual cause of sudden blockage in a a coronary artery is the formation of a blood clot. Yeah, which they've admitted these can do. But fake news, if it happens to you, The conversation reported earlier this year that cold showers may have a negative effect on people with heart disease, as it could precipitate a heart attack or heart rhythm irregularities. So it's just the point is that everything under the sun anywhere that could maybe in a one one hundredth of a percent cause an increase in that possibility is being pointed at far more than the thing that they know causes them and they're watching happen. That's a cover-up. And here's another example that I'm not saying I can prove that this girl is because of the injection. But I just want to continue to show that this is happening at a higher rate that is dramatically unprecedented. Mystery over how a happy five-year-old girl died in hospital a day after she showed, quote, flu-like symptoms on her birthday. July 28th. This young girl. Myocarditis is what happened. It says, we lost our daughter at the Canabare Hospital. No one helped her until it was too late. No one told us what was happening before it was too late, according to the family. Quote, no one explained to us how she died. My family has no answers and we are broken. This was an entirely avoidable incident with consequences that will last a lifetime. She had displayed mild flu-like symptoms and some face swelling in the days preceding, but tested negative for COVID-19 and have been given antibiotics. Right? When do you have mild flu-like symptoms that then dramatically escalate into death? That sounds like a vaccine side effect, but that's just my opinion. The point is, as well, that this is an age group that's already been allowed, the family that's in the hospital. I mean, the point is, it's, there's a lot of points that you could make suggestively that could suggest that she did. I'm not trying to assume. Again, my point in the beginning is just to show the how many people in this age are having this. It's unprecedented. But general circumstances suggest that she probably did. But it says, at about 8 a.m., the nurse told the family that she had influenza A. What an interesting thing. Did they test for it? How often do you get tests for influenza? But it says Mr. Spadorfa was also told that the young girl had an enlarged liver. That's telling. And would likely need to stay in the hospital for several days. The flu doesn't usually enlarge your liver, does it? Or give you myocarditis. And she tested negative for COVID-19. You know what does have a lot of association with the liver? The COVID-19 injection. There's all sorts of hepatic conversations around whether it's causing hepatitis or whether it's in, in liver. Or where, how about just the fact that we showed you on their own data that where the, M, the mRNA particles, the lipid nanoparticles, collect the most, I think, were the liver, the spleen, and the reproductive organs. All these points matter, guys, when you have these weird associations in large liver. Where did that come from? At about midday on July 5th, uh, the, the mother said that she was told that the daughter had inflamed muscles around her heart. Why? You don't just say, it doesn't just happen out of nowhere. 
Quote, I asked if this was life-threatening, and she was told no. Are you effing kidding me? See, this is the problem with where we are today. They are so on guard for anything that might be abstractly associated with vaccine side effects. My God, obviously, any, and I mean literally any, swelling of the heart is potentially life-threatening. And that is what any actual cardiologist would tell you. I've talked with them. I've discussed articles when they've gone over this. There is no such thing as a mild or not threatening case of myocarditis. It says that the, the mother said that she was told the daughter then died of cardiac arrest caused by myocarditis. That's what the doctors told her. From what? Rapid onset myocarditis out of nowhere? The, the mother told ABC that she was disgusted by the way the hospital treated the family. She said the family heard nothing from the hospital after the tragedy until Tuesday evening when a doctor simply sent them a text, and the text was about telling them that it was going to be the subject of a news report. Doesn't this sound strange to you? Like, almost like they were trying to... I mean, I don't want to assume. You guys can think what you want from it. Obviously, this is weird. The way that they handled this, at the very least, wildly insensitive. It tells you something. But there's so much of this happening, it makes me sick that we can't even ask the question, can we? or that's what I want you to think anyway. Well, here's another uh, from Talk TV pointing out something I think is alarming after everything we've discussed. What they're saying is, according to the article, Sky News, that they're in October, they're basically saying, a senior government scientist and SAGE member right there reportedly told the newspaper that the government ministers are planning a fire break restrictions next month if the booster program does not go well. What do you think that means? If, not, if you guys don't do what you're told... We're going to go back to restrictions. That's using the carrot and the stick. That's what they've written down, what the U.K. has been caught for. They're threatening and fear-mongering to drive the injections, guys. Whether they think that's the right thing or not, I think the data is beginning to show and has always shown that it's not the right thing, whether booster or first jab. And yet they're saying, if you don't do it, we're going to stick you back in quarantine. We're going to lock you down again. We're going to force you to wear masks. Well, here's what that all leads to. Here's a person who was literally sent home after he broke his neck. Why? Well, because we're overwhelmed with COVID-19. You mean all the people with the sniffles who are running in there and scared and you're putting them on... I mean, this is happening right now where people are being put in hospital based on the hypothetical threat of the all-insurmounting COVID-19 or people will go in with a broken neck and be sent home the same night. Family demands answers after uh, this person sends a man... or this hospital sends a man home hours after he literally broke his neck. This will blow your mind. Six hours of hospital care for a broken neck and told he had to go home. I mean, the bottom line is, you can read it for yourself. I, I don't think, I, I forgot to re-highlight it. He went in the hospital after a motorcycle accident, broke his neck, and multiple other things, sternum and all these different, it says right there, uh, neck ver, uh, uh, vertebrae, broken sternum. Very serious. Put the neck brace on. Even the doctor told him, if you take the brace off or do something wrong or move the wrong way, you could die. It's quoted in the article. And yet they tell him to go home at 1 a.m. in the morning. The struggle to get him home and out of the room was so dangerous, and the, the parents were so upset with the family. And the, the whole reason is they need space. I mean, how space for what? What could be more serious than a broken neck and observation? Before all the COVID-19 mania, you'd go in with the smallest thing. If they thought even remotely you need observation, they'd make you stay. Today, they're kicking you out the door unless you've got a COVID-19 test. It just makes me sick. Yeah, here's the point, guys. It's clearly all about your health, right? Tell this guy it's all about your health. Well, on top of that, we have people who need 
organ transplants who are next in line, who are being denied organ transplants because they wouldn't get an injection when they're vulnerable. Right. You realize people that are in the situation where they're needing organ transplants or they're going to die are the last people that should be getting injections like this. And that's what the science shows you. Same with immunocompromised. It's dangerous. And yet they're pushing it on people. And this Canadian hospital, her name is Sheila Lewis, is telling Sheila that she cannot get the organ because she didn't get an injection. I mean, this is just so completely unscientific. This is tyranny. Biosecurity tyranny. Makes me sick. Now, to wrap this up reasonably quickly, I just want to show you guys some things that are happening on the Great Reset angle. Here's Peter Sweden. In Norway, the state wants to start tracking the food purchases of all citizens. That certainly ties in today, doesn't it? In Sweden, there's also the credit card we just talked about that blocks you if you exceed your CO2 limit. Now, it is by choice. You have to apply for it, and you can get it, and it'll, it'll block you from doing things if you want it to. But that's a means to an end to start the, normal, the normalcy of that kind of thing. But he says down here, they want to know the, what people ate for lunch by collecting card payment data and receipts from grocery stores. Remember when it was called the crazy conspiracy theory? You can read about it in his work. Here's his article. Too far. Norway wants to track citizens' food purchases. It's happening, guys. All for the greater good, of course. Which, by the way, we know what they're doing with the food and, have the, and the growing of far, the farms and the farming and growing of food. Well, they're going to want to track it to understand if you're using the right kinds of food. Right? So we can reduce the carbon and all. That is the problem today. Not that, You can even believe it's the right thing to do. But the government doing so and building a situation where they can then, then grade you on what you're doing, which is exactly what they do say they're building, is alarming and bad and not, I mean, whatever you think we have. Not a democracy, at the very least. Not a representative government. But as we're watching this develop, what we need to realize is they are telling you this if you're just listening to them, that they're building this right now. They're building this whole world, and they're saying, this is, this is ours to do. We can change it. Us together. Not you as a society, but their elite, elitist grouping of people who are deciding your future because they know best or how they would want you to think about it. Let's also be clear. The future is not just happening. The future is built by us, by a powerful community as... You here in this room. Right. So it's built by them. They're building the future. The future doesn't just happen. We're building it. It's built by us. He's not talking about you, guys. They're deciding in their Davos community group think tank areas where what will be the right thing to do, and they hand it down to the governments, and the governments are doing that. And say, oh, Putin's fault. Is it Putin's fault that you're reducing nitrogen use so you can meet 2030 goals? That's dramatically affecting people's farming and food and infrastructure. Yeah, is that Putin's fault? And who voted for that? Why did we decide that these goals are what we, Because they've all decided behind closed doors that's the right thing to do, or at least that's the narrative. Is it? Even if you think it is, is it their choice? I mean, this is, it's, it's incredible to watch where we are, as they would, if, if Iran was doing this, if Syria was doing it, they would call them tyrannical. You know they would. And what they're doing is trying to break down the reality. And by the way, they've been doing this for a long time. You know, these things are archaic and breaking and crumbling, so we need to reimagine them. We need to rebuild them. Well, just so we're clear, we've been writing articles. Derek wrote one a while back about, in the, about the United States. Most of the 50 states have dramatic problems with safe drinking water. But we don't. They, nobody cared until they want to stick it in your face. Right? Here's the main thing to remember. Remember that place called... Flint, Michigan? 
This article was published May 25th, 2022. Eight years later, Flint's water crisis rages on. Right. So it was all good talking points and, and celebrities and politicians, and they did nothing. These people still, to this day, don't have clean drinking water. How is that even possible? Because the government doesn't care. Because here's the point. As today, here, here's the Weather Channel saying, nearly one million Californians do not have safe drinking water. Yeah. Tell it to your, every other country and every other state, or rather, every, every other state around you. Not to say that it's okay, but why has it been allowed to be, come to this point? Well, because now it's going to be used. It's going to be pointed at. Whoa, look at how bad the water is. Yeah, it's been that way for a decade. Where were you then? Where were you in Flint, Michigan, was screaming and the children were being hurt by it? Well, who cares, right? Oh, now we can point that at it and say, well, we need to reimagine it. Look at the crumbling infrastructure. Let us rebuild the system. It's a means to an end. The problem is, guys, that if they cared, this wouldn't be the case. And by the way, again, the point was not just Flint. Flint just got attention, and rightly so, because it's terrible what's happening to them. But as Derek wrote in his article, most states in this country have dangerous levels of lead in the water, dangerous levels. It's just the way it is, because they don't care to fix it. Despite the fact that they get money, especially California, every single year for redoing their infrastructure. Every year they get millions of dollars of funding, and it stays the same. What do you think is happening to that? Here's another point. And this is how they see these narratives, like Andrew Yang is just, I have a thought. <laughs> Here's a crazy idea. Is there a way for someone to easily show that they've been vaccinated? Like a barcode that they can download on their phone? That's a crime. There ought to be. Like, where? what are you, living under a stone? What a stupid thing to say. That's, like, <laughs> like that is so, that, that might as well be like, I mean, this is, to me, that screams like he's working with some kind of intelligence. Now, I know that may be abstract to some people. But really, like, unless he has a personal agenda to drive this in for some reason, the statement like that is as if nobody's ever brought this up before. There's no such thing as QR codes and vaccine IDs and digital IDs happening right now. No, this is just, this is him putting an idea out so people can come in the comments and go, yeah, we should do that. Here's an idea. Let's do the thing. Here, let me promote the digital ID. What a great idea, Yang. The point you can see the comments from Mark of the Beast or or Viva Frey. How about a state issue tattoo? They're making fun of him because it's stupid. Because everybody knows how what he's talking about. He's transparent as hell. But yes, Yang, there is one. Oh, you mean there? There ought to be. They're literally already being used, you dummy. And he knows that they're being used in Israel. They're being used in Sweden. They're being used all over the place. They are using these things in vaccine IDs and digital IDs that are being combined to track you. And tell you whether or not you've been vaccinated in certain places like Israel. My point is this is being seeded so they want this to seem like an organic conversation that the people rise up and demand. We need them to be safe. No, we don't because the people that are vaccinated are the ones causing the problem. And it seems that everyone's beginning to come, become hip to that problem. Well, here's another example of the, the manipulation of the digital ID point. Arrive can, that wildly tyrannical app that, that suddenly makes nothing else matter. Right? You can be fully vaccinated, up-to-date, have nine masks, all your tra everything in front of you, and they'll go, nope, you don't have an app, can't come in. Can't come in. Right, it's all about vaccines, but the app is the only thing that matters? Yeah, that clearly shows you what's going on. But the point they make here is, Airbnb has 84,000 reviews for the entire world. Uber has 104,000 reviews for the entire world. ArriveCan has 504,000. Just people going to Canada. Their point is, Guess the government is purchasing fake reviews. 
you know, that's a guess. But it does seem pretty likely to me, based on the, the likelihood that we're going to have 504,000 reviews for Canada. Maybe. Maybe because it's a big focus and everything's happening. But we know that does happen. Then, just want to point out a couple things about the two-party illusion of all this. Here's a, a video that I shared, by the way, that it's now censored because the account's gone. That was getting dramatic intention. Maybe That's maybe why. Who knows? This is an old video from when Trump was president, but the point is to show you the two-party illusion. Remember that all this push, you know, you'll own nothing and be happy, that came out in 2016. So if you think that Trump wasn't aware of that, as he walks out of this meeting with the World Economic Forum saying Klaus is doing a great job, you're lying to yourself. Because Klaus Schwab has been saying these things for a long time. So here's what Trump said. So listen up, Republicans, if you believe that he's not on the side of this whole agenda. Well, we're here meeting with world leaders, the biggest, uh, most important people in the world, and we're bringing back tremendous business in the United States, and they're all here to see. Uh, I'll be making a speech, and then we'll be leaving shortly. Uh, but I think it's very important. Uh, the other is just a hoax. It's the witch hunt that's been going on for years. And it's frankly, it's disgraceful. But uh, we look forward to being here. Klaus has done a fantastic job. And again, we're meeting with the big, biggest companies in the world, the biggest businesses in the world, and world leaders, all for the benefit of the United States. We look forward to the meetings. What a, why not have witnesses? Well, I'm a big believer in uh, the environment. The environment to me is very important. Thank you. What Thank about you. See, and that's his typical kind of like middle-of-the-ground response. All of his supporters will be like, oh, wink, wink, I know, he, he didn't say climate change. He didn't mean that. He was saying that to trick them and troll them or whatever the, whatever the subjective belief is that you can't prove, that you want to believe. He's a good person, I know it. You know, it's just childish. It's savior complex. And maybe you're right, but the point is you don't know either. You're assuming you want that to be the case. He is asked directly about climate change, and he goes, yes, yes, I'm a big believer in the environment. Well, he, he just, he is in line with this, guys. At the very least, he's playing the middle ground. He walked out and said, doing a fantastic job. At this point, they were doing everything we're talking about, and it's only just become very, very public because of the Great Reset, which, by the way, was already happening then. It's very clear what he's saying there. Doing a great job is alarming, but, you know, of course, people that want to support anybody, whether Biden or Trump, will ignore everything. Same thing's happened with Biden right now. Ignoring literally everything because just because you want to support him. Oh, dang it, that got deleted. Oh, no, okay, good, it's right there. That was weird. <laughs> of course. Well, here's another example. Oh, wait, actually, before I do that, I wanted to show you this. Where these are the comments underneath that video of Klaus and Trump. That's several years old. Okay, what does that matter? By the way, the tweet didn't suggest it wasn't. It just simply said, look, two-party illusion, guys, wake up. So it's old, so it doesn't matter? It's, a, it's like two years old, so it doesn't matter at all? I mean, what a thing, what a thing to say. But that's the right person that's older than this? Exactly, 2016, I own nothing and no privacy, and life has never been better. Right, so he agreed with that at that time, because that's what they were discussing, guys. But more of them, this person says, this is Photoshop. No, it's not. From 2018. No, it's not. <laughs> My God. People will say whatever they want. Well, there's one more. Anyway, you get the point, guys. People are desperate. They don't want to see what they don't want to see. Well, here's an example that should scare especially Republicans who believe in Trump. This is crazy, wild authoritarian nonsense. 
He's actually arguing that it's okay that we should put people that are accused of drug dealing, accused being the primary point, right? Because there's people that are selling cannabis, by the way, that shouldn't. Either way, he's saying we should give them very quick, rapid trials and put them to death. Right. This guy's about freedom, right? Listen to yourself. Listen for yourself. I mean, this is actually more alarming to me. The way that he's showing his authoritarian tendencies. And the problem is the people that believe in what he says and agree with him, you just act like, well, who cares? It's the right thing. Drug dealers are bad. Well, aren't, are, don't they have rights? Are drug dealers not afforded the same normal trial? I mean, it's just, it's just, it doesn't matter. It's the same reason the Guantanamo Bay became a, a beacon of freedom the moment that he said that. No, it's the same, a wildly authoritarian, completely undemocratic, we're not, that's the wrong word. It's become, that's why Guantanamo Bay is a cesspool of the worst of the worst of whatever they, what, what this country is behind the scenes, the government, I should say. We know that. They did terrible things to people there. It was wildly unjustified. And then Trump gets elected and it's about freedom and putting Clinton in there. I mean, think about how stupid that is. Whether or not it was even true, it's a dumb thing to think, well, now it's a good thing. What happens when, oh, Biden gets back into power? Is it, is it now a bad thing again? still there, isn't it? That was the point. If you look at countries throughout the world, the ones that don't have a drug problem are those that institute a very quick trial death penalty sentence for drug dealers. Now, first point, where are all the libertarians out there that support Trump? Is it hit, is the government's job to tell you you can't take drugs? Cannabis is included in that, guys. I mean, think of how crazy that is. It's not their choice to tell you that you can do things with your own body. My body, my choice. Let's start realizing what that really means. Vaccines, abortion, drugs. You have a right to do what you want as long as you're not putting other people in danger. And you're, I mean, the, 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 the point is that ultimately you have a right to go, if you're in your own home and you want to sit down and take something, that you, that's your right. The fact that they get to dictate that is, is, again, part of the problem. But the bottom line is there are people that act like Trump is a supporter of freedom, and he says stuff like this. That's not, that is not freedom. That is not democracy. That is authoritarianism. That's what that is. It sounds horrible, doesn't it? But you know what? That's the ones that don't have any problem. Right. So it's about the end. The ends justify the means. Right, Trump? So let's just murder all the drug dealers. Then we have no problem. Well, did we kill people that weren't drug dealers? Who cares? The problem's gone, right? It doesn't take 15 years in court. It goes quickly, and you absolutely, you execute a drug dealer, and you'll save 500 lives because they kill, on average, 500 people. Where did, I mean, okay. Let's just assume that didn't just get pulled out of his butt, like most of the statistics he throws out. Like, how do you possibly quantify that? What kind of drug dealer? Pot dealer? Heroin dealer? And pretend they're the same and that they kill the same amount of people? Like, what a stupid thing to say. The bottom line is, it's still wildly over the top to say that you should, because they, they arguably kill people based on government statistics, that we should just rush them through their due process, which is not, you can't put those words together and put them to death. For nonviolent crimes? I mean, God damn it, this is, this is who this person is. It's terrible to say, but you take a look at every country in this world that doesn't have a problem with drugs. They have a very strong death penalty for the people that sell drugs. If yeah, they're called authoritarian countries, Trump, and you know that. We're going to stop this scourge. Even that clapping. 
That's not wholehearted clapping. That's half the audience going, geez, I don't know about that, right? That's crazy, guys. This is posted by High Times, obviously, because they consider cannabis a drug. Now, to finish off with a couple foreign policy points, I just want to make this interesting <laughs> and clear. As Kevork Almazian points out, brace yourselves for I stand with Taiwan in their bios, right? Pelosi expected to visit Taiwan. This is the second push they've done on this. The first one was, she's going to go to Taiwan. And then it didn't happen. Oh, well, the plane flights went somewhere else. Okay. And they come back, whoa, somebody else just said that she's going to do it though anyway. Is, I mean, for all we know, this is just another hype and it won't happen. I mean, why do we keep taking the bait? If she does, then we'll talk about it. We already know the repercussions. They know the repercussions. I argue at some point, this is probably China and the U.S. doing it together to hype things up for other reasons. That's the possibility. Because they do work together behind the scenes more than we realize. But the bottom line is, this is being created. You're, you're taking an action that they told you would draw, would draw an action from them. Why? So you can, you know, I have a right to do this. It's my ball. I can do what I want. What, are you six years old? The reality being that they said, you do this, it's going to be a big deal. So you just, it's, like, it's like a child sticking their finger, you know, put, grabbing a cookie out of the door. Don't do it. And they do it anyway. No, oh, don't do it. That's how dumb this is. It's, it's just, why do you need to go there in the face of them telling you not to? Because this is propaganda. Breaking news. An unnamed U.S. official confirmed Pelosi will be going tomorrow and staying overnight. Unnamed? Did it even happen? Is it all fake news? It's just so stupid. Now, let's just, for sake of conversation, pretend it's not stupid and pretend that it's actually the way it looks. Here's an ex a very important point. Ty as, as Professor Andrew McLeod points out, Taiwan is not, despite many people wanting it to be, independent. If you disagree with the statement of fact, please answer the simple, this simple question. On what date, through which legal instrument, did you, do you claim Taiwan became independent? Second question, which countries recognize it? Now, my point has always been, regardless of that, that if somebody wants to be free of tyrannical rule, authoritarian rule, like China, they have a right to be. Or like Donbass, in the Nazi-controlled Ukrainian puppet government of the U.S. that want to be free. It doesn't matter who you're talking about. They don't get to pick and choose which ones deserve to be independent. You know, oh, they, you know, it's, it's, it's the only people that the U.S. pretends they want independent are the people that are used as a tool against their adversaries. They don't care about independence. Otherwise, they would talk about the Yemeni people. They would talk about the Palestinians. They would talk about all the people around the world that are oppressed by their allies. The point here to make, though, is on a legal sense, you can't claim they're independent because they're technically not. But you can argue they have a right to be free from this rule. But the point is that this is exactly the same as a number of other examples on the U.S. side. Like I point out, like Hawaii, for instance, where the people of Hawaii do not see themselves. I lived there for two years as part of the United States. They're an occupied territory that goes back a long time. Just look up the history. They were completely colonialized. So if China decided to say, hey, Hawaiians have a right to be free, they would never allow that, even if Hawaiians wanted it. You know they wouldn't allow that. So this is just a complete and utter farce where they're driving conflict to distract or for other political reasons. But right now, they're acting like they're independent, and that's just a talking point. Technically, it's not true. If you're going to talk about it right, you're going to talk about it as a group that desires that, which I think is just as valid. But on the Palestinian side of it, as this account points out, days after giving Biden an award for funding and arming their illegal occupation, ethnic cleansing of Palestine, Israeli forces murdered, murdered another child, which is their 95th since January 2021. Let me repeat that. Their 95th murdered child by the Israeli forces since January 2021. Easy to look up. 
They argue there's justifications and rationale. Do we really need a rationale for why 95 children got shot by Israeli forces? Can you imagine if 95 children got shot in the street by police in the United States? I mean, my God, this is so ridiculous that this mat- this doesn't matter, but one person over here does when they frame it a certain way. It, just, it just makes you sick this is happening, and it shows you who these people really are. Finally, as Sarah Abdallah points out, while all eyes are on Ukraine, the U.S. is deploying more troops to Yemen, assisting Saudi Arabia in its genocide. As Robert just pointed out, they're bringing up back to, they're pushing back into Yemen. Yemeni officials, quote, have warned that the U.S. is seeking to control Yemen's oil fields, as they've done in Syria and plenty of other places. But, of course, as they point and scream about Taiwan and Ukraine, nobody's going to pay attention. The Yemeni people never get attention, as they're one of the worst humanitarian crises in the world, completely manufactured and maintained by the freedom spreaders of the world, right? So sick to see the obvious in front of you and act like, these are the good people trying to stick good things inside your child's arm, right? We want to save and protect them as we're murdering children in Yemen and murdering children in Syria and murdering children in Iran and murdering children in Bolivia. Yeah, and Venezuela, we care about your child, though. Let us put this in his arm, right? My God. Time to wake up, guys. Time to realize where we really are. Time to stop, stop soft-pedaling all of this and be real about where we are. But I'll leave you there with it, guys. Thank you for being here. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. What the fourth industrial revolution will lead to is a fusion of our physical, our digital, and our biological identities. The difference of this fourth uh, industrial revolution is it doesn't change what you are doing. It changes you. If you take a genetic editing, right. uh, just as an example, it's you who are changed. Yeah. And of yeah. course, this has a big impact yeah. on your identity. Yeah. It is important to use the COVID-19 crisis as a timely opportunity. So people assume uh, we are just going back uh, to the good old world which we had um, and everything will be normal again in how we are used to normal in the old fashion. This is, uh, let's say, fiction. It will not happen. Um, the the uh, cut which we have now um, is much too strong uh, in order not to leave traces. Thank <laughs> you.